Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Logic, political talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find us here at the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we will talk about the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage last Friday. Uh, We'll discuss that in depth uh, this evening. Uh, but we will also uh, discuss what our guest and friend Dean Klopp has been up to as well when it comes to the Liberty Movement. And so uh, I do see our guest on the line. So let's go ahead and uh, get Dean on. Thank you very much, uh, Dean, for coming to the show. How are you? Oh, terrific, Robert, and thank you for uh, this program, and thank you for asking me to come on tonight. Okay, great. Well, uh, so first, you know, of course, we are going to talk about uh, the gay marriage uh, decision by the Supreme Court. I was trying to find a way to describe it. 
uh, the Supreme Court, and uh, I'll, of course, uh, chime in on what my thoughts are. But more importantly is what is it going to say about states and uh, religious sovereignty, and are they in jeopardy? But first, uh, let's go ahead, uh, Dean, and tell us uh, what you've been working on. Well, well, Robert, uh, we've been pursuing the Property Tax Elimination Act here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we understand people have been uh, uh, pushing this issue for a, over a decade. In fact, I've heard talk as much as 30 years people have been discussing property tax reform in one way, shape, or of another. But I can tell you that we are not about reform. We are not about reduction. We are not about relief of what we need is true elimination of the tax, Robert. That is the only way we get rid of this uh, monster that we've created at the at the state level, and that we, which is just chewing up people alive uh, who are not able to pay their taxes. And we have out of control spending. Uh, the growth rate is six and a quarter percent. If anyone understands the rule of 72 out there, that means that your property mm-hmm. taxes and mine, if you're in Pennsylvania, will double in the next 11 years, and folks can't afford those taxes today. Well, I know, i tell you what, I know uh, our taxes just continually, which, of course, we have it taken straight, you know, from the mortgage. Uh, so we see our mortgage cost, you know, of course, it's because of the tax, continually go, go up and up and up, and a lot of it gets these uh, school levies, for one. There's other reasons that's making these property taxes go up, uh, these school levies that are going to these uh, failing schools. Absolutely. Uh, the funding system is broken. Our public uh, education system is broken. Uh, actually, I believe our Department of Education has been radicalized on the national level and probably uh, on the state level as well. Social issues seem to rule the day when we see Common Core shoved down our throat uh, with the threat of funding being withheld. Um, that is not uh, what liberty and what our founders had intended uh, when they wanted to educate all of society. That's what I believe. Well, and certainly with uh, our topic of tonight, I bet they uh, maybe not so much uh, for religious reasons, but more towards uh, what's going to happen with state sovereignty with the the new uh, Supreme Court ruling of gay marriage across the country taking away that decision from the state. Uh, now, that's kind of where I have my problem. Uh, but, of course, there will be plenty of time uh, tonight uh, to talk about that. But, you know, with uh, the Campaign for Liberty, uh, tell us more about your involvement with that and uh, what's the you know purpose of Campaign for Liberty other than uh, the tax issues? Uh, Campaign for Liberty is actually uh, an organization, a national organization that was started by Ron Paul. And, of course, nothing we do here on the local level can hold a candle to what that man has accomplished in his lifetime and and is still working towards uh, passing audit the Fed and and other liberty-minded issues. Um, But he inspired us. He he inspired me uh, about two years ago to go out and to get involved. And uh, after that last presidential election that he was involved in, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the positive side of, of his campaign was that it, it wasn't Ron Paul running for president. It was Ron Paul putting liberty up on a platform. 
and up on a pedestal for everyone to see and everyone to taste and everyone to smell and reach for. And that is the movement that is going on today, Robert. It is not ending. It did not end with his last presidential run. It was just the beginning, I believe. Um, so here on the local level, he has inspired us to tackle uh, issues starting on the local level, uh, starting with our local township and uh, this, the status that are developing there, uh, the socialists we see on our school boards uh, promoting things like corporate welfare in the form of LERDAs, uh, justifying uh, uh, instituting common core curriculum into our schools. You know, there, there's a whole lot of fights in our own backyard. We don't have to look to Harrisburg or to Washington, D.C. We can just turn around and see what's going on in our own community, uh, whether it's an Agenda 21 issue with central planning and, and socialism spreading through the planning process or engineering process on the local and township level, um, or it's something as... Uh, something that's as insidious as Common Core reaching down to our local school. So we have to take a stand. If we ever want uh, Washington to change, we have to change Harrisburg. If we have, ever want Harrisburg to change, then we have to change our local municipality, our local city, our local uh, schools. And that's where we believe it all starts, Robert, and that's what we've been taught and trained to do uh, by the good folks at Campaign for Liberty. One of the things uh, we mentioned here uh, in the description, I'm sorry I had to edit it down so much uh, from the bio I mean, the th things of that, is to, to use a confrontational model uh, that you use in your campaigns. Tell us a little bit more about what that model is and uh, what successes you see from it. Well, um, it's it's nothing new. It's what the, the left has used for many years of unions going back to the 40s. And I'm, I'm not going to bash unions. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are belong to the union, but I do not believe uh, that uh, that anyone should be forced to join a union in order to hold a job, especially in the public sector. If someone wants to be a pipe fitter or tin knocker or whatever, you know, and you want to join a union, albeit that's that's the American way. But if it's my tax dollars, your tax dollars, and the public servant ends up living better than the folks that are struggling to pay their school taxes to pay for their pensions, that is a problem, and that's a threat to our to our liberties. Um, does that answer your question, Robert? Well, I think I got off more track. What, you know, you know, yeah, I think so, maybe a little bit. But you know, just tell us some more about uh, you know, because a lot of folks who have never heard of the computational model. Uh, before, if you can give us a little detail on what that is and then how you've used it and the successes that you've seen from it. Absolutely. Uh, people think of confrontation, and I think a lot of negative connotations go up, uh, a lot of negative feelings go up, but it doesn't mean that we're uh, running up to a, a politician and kicking them and screaming in their faces. Um, then again, if we fill a town hall, fill a, a, a full of 220 angry constituents that are pissed off that they have to pay their school taxes and they keep going up and up, you know, all bets are off. But um, our job is to expose the politician, expose their weakness, and to put them on public record. And uh, in the end, our goal is to change their opinion. It doesn't it, – it, actually, we don't even care if we change their opinion. We just want them to vote the way uh, – that's, that serves us and, and liberty-minded people well. We want them to vote uh, the right way, 
Um, you know, if they want to continue to take tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars from the special interests, all well and good. But there has to be fear of, of us out there as activists before these people will respect us. You know, we do not believe that the educational model alone is going to change this country. It's going to change the world. It will take way too long. Uh, the statists, they need motivation, we believe. And they need vote motivation in the form of, uh, of public pressure. And we drum up public pressure by going out and pounding the payments, knocking on doors, uh, circulating petitions that make it very easy for that person who just answered their door on a Saturday morning to sign it and agree with us and, and then pass this information along to the, the, the politician, the poll, I like to call them the wolf sometimes, and uh, let them know that they have uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of constituents in their own district that want them to change their viewpoint, change their vote, change their stance on any particular issue. Uh, now, we don't believe that that's enough, so we turn around and we run robocalls. Uh, we'll send robocalls out to thousands or tens of, tens of thousands of people in a, in a political district and uh, let them know that their uh, politician is not on board, say, for their property rights, or uh, you could even use it for the, the, the gay marriage issue. I could very easily see that being a motivating issue for people to get on board with. Um, so we run advertisements exposing the politician uh, to their constituents on what their record is, what their voting record has been, what their stance has been, what they said publicly, what we can quote them saying. Uh, we run newspaper ads. We could run radio ads. Uh, anything to expose the politician and to draw them out into the light and force them uh, to face their constituents and, uh, in the end, change their stance and, and vote our way. That's really what what we want them to do. We so what get type criticized of success have you seen from doing that? Pardon me? Go ahead. Give me a picture of your thought and then I'll well, the next question. There, there are times we've been uh, criticized because – we will go directly into uh, a politician's neighborhood. It's very easy to find out where they live. You go to the State Department website in any particular state, and the information is right there. Uh, their t cell phone number, their street address, exactly where they, where they live. And uh, we make that a focus. Uh, many people are not comfortable with it, but I can tell you it is very effective. And uh, for something that has become as personal as the property tax uh, escalation here in Pennsylvania, where up to 10,000 people a year are losing their homes. When I'm told, yeah. you know, politicians' homes are off limit, you know, let them alone, let, the, you know, let them live their lives at home. Well, you know what, mm -hmm. what about the 10,000 people that just got tossed out on the street this year and last year and will again next year? That's a personal issue for those people, and frankly, I don't care if knocking on a politician's door offends them. Uh, like my pastor told me once, well, at least you knock on the door and didn't walk right in. And uh, I feel very strongly about that. Uh, you know, I don't believe that we should treat a politician with any more or any less respect than we would our neighbors. I'm tired of this uh, this uh, feeling that these people, they put themselves up on a pedestal and they're untouchable. That is not what our founders had in mind. Our founders knew that they could not even trust one another, thus our Constitution. They knew that there had to be checks and balances in place. And today, Robert, there seems to be a lot of checks and not a whole lot of balances. 
and that's what we're trying to get back. The grassroots level. I like how you put people, that, by we, the way. <laughs> well, thank you. But the, the grassroots, this is our last well, okay. line of defense. If we, the people, don't stand up, if we don't rise mm-hmm. up to the growing oppression and tyranny that's out there, then we're done for because our representatives are not doing it unless we kick them in the butt to do it. And that's where we come into play. Uh, and I, I wish I could say we developed this model. It's been around a long time. Uh, it's been used by the left very effectively. It's how they've gained control. And frankly, it's the only way we see getting ourselves back to uh, to uh, some kind of balance. You know, the, the pendulum swings both ways. Well, man, I've been holding my breath for a long time, and it's starting to get tough uh, to watch that pendulum come back to the right. You know, why aren't we talking about things just like a balanced budget? You know, not of uh, leftist or, or right or conservative or liberal. How, how about just a balanced budget? How about sanity for once? Um, and, and, and that's what we're trying to urge, and that's what, what we're stressing at Campaign for Liberty. Now, with that said, we know that we're limited as far as fundraising. So what some of us have done, okay, is we've gone out and formed a, a non-stock, non-profit political corporation based in Pennsylvania called the Pennsylvania Liberty Alliance. And from there we are fundraising. Uh, that is the, the action arm, if you will, that's out of, of paying for the phone calls, paying for the ads. And mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, we need help with that. And if anyone would like to contribute, uh, please let me know. Contact me on Facebook. Uh, we have a lot of plans. We're looking to place billboards, more advertisements, more campaigns. You know, I wish it didn't cost anything to go rent a, a room at a community college, but unfortunately it does. It costs money to run mm-hmm. advertisements. It takes money to run robocalls. Even at three cents a piece, hey, for 300 bucks, oh, I, I can get a big bang for my buck. Oh, I know, no, but I was uh, doing some grassroots work for the New Gingrich campaign in 2012. So one of the things we were looking to try to uh, – Devise get done with some some urban calls and working on that and getting uh, the fundraising uh, together for you know that cost. And so what the you know with, with, with the fundraising and, and you get you know, have that and what you have been doing. You know as I mentioned or, or asked earlier, what what kind of successes have you seen in uh, you know getting anything moving forward in your direction? Getting what in my direction, Robert? I'm sorry. Just getting you know, just getting some movement with these politicians that you've been trying to influence. Well, I I think we definitely have their attention, um, you know, when they uh, – I, I know there were conversations about us. I know that um, we were able to sway along with other people in the movement last summer. It was the first time we actually put a campaign like this on, uh, and uh, God bless the people that joined us. Some folks drove three and four hours uh, to Johnstown last summer. And uh, we, at that point in time, last session, our bill sat in, uh, our bill, SB 76, sat in the Senate Finance Committee, and we knew we were a vote short. So nothing was going to happen unless we had enough votes to get it out of committee. And so we did our five-column analysis, something that we're trained to do um, through Campaign for Liberty and the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, and we were able to evaluate all the different uh, senators, uh, not just in the Senate, but on that committee and where they stand. It's subjective, but at least it gives us an idea of who to target, who can we possibly move, who we're never going to move. 
and we were able to pick a senator in Johnstown. And sure enough, uh, we were able to frame the issue there. It, it was just tremendous because, for one, Johnstown is one of the poorest cities in the country, let alone the state. And what we found on doing some uh, research in the area, they had some terrible property tax problems, foreclosure after foreclosure, home after home for sale. And we found out after talking to some local people, they had their homes for sale for a year, two years, three years. People have given up on trying to sell their home because the property value, Mm -hmm. they cannot get anything close to what they owe or what their property is worth. So they've just succumbed to believe that there's nothing that they can do. Well, when we went to Johnstown last summer and we started knocking on the doors around that senator's neighborhood, we started talking to his, his neighbors. Hey, how do you feel about this? Because John does not support your property rights. And, in fact, he said he will not support this bill. Did you know that there was a bill out there that can free you from the school property tax. And people were amazed. Uh, we, hear, we hear the horror stories. Well, we I want to hear, uh, hear more about that. Uh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> we met people. What, what was kind of neat about that instance is that uh, this man apparently grew up in this area and never moved. So we were talking to people that were childhood friends of his. Talk about getting personal. Um, these people knew him by first name, they knew his home phone number, and as soon as we gave him the information, they started calling this man, not just at his office, but at his home, started emailing him, started walking up to his house, knocking on his door. What are you doing about this? We didn't know there was a bill like this. Why aren't you supporting it? That is confrontational. Um, uh, Just another example of what we're doing. On top of that, we ran the newspaper ads, and we, we pounded the streets for three Saturdays. That's what it took. And uh, there was anywhere, i, I got to tell you, there was anywhere from two to 14 of us <laughs> over those three Saturdays. But I, I'm sure mm-hmm. it appeared to the senator that there were many more of us because we were always in his neighborhood every weekend, and we made sure that he knew that. Um, so there was this uh, right. illusion that there were many more of us than, than what there were. But in, in, in the end, it was very effective. But I'll never forget something, and, and I learned something, Robert. I can tell you that we had been at this, a, a few of us, almost the whole summer, well, since the middle of July. It was now nearing Labor Day, and we had been on the streets pounding payments, uh, Camp Hill or Harrisburg or now Johnstown, every Saturday since I think it was like July 13th or 15th. I was getting tired, to be honest with you. And I remember that last Saturday, I had no volunteers left. You know, I think everybody was drained. They'd been out out there, and they were looking forward to the end of the summer picnics and parties. And uh, one of our associates, one of our local local coordinator, coordinators, Wendell Gaynor, said to me, Dean, I've not done my part here. I really want to go out to Johnstown with you. And I said, you know what, Wendell, I appreciate that. Let's do it. And we drove the three hours to Johnstown. Don't you know... Uh, and he offered to drive, and I took him up on that. And there we are driving his his, uh, uh, his older model Cadillac out to Johnstown, and it started spitting and sputtering. We rolled into town. We got oh, up wow. near the senator's. We got up near the senator's neighborhood, and the car broke down less than a block from his house. Now, oh my gosh, I I, I truly believe in divine intervention. I I. I truly think this was providential because uh, Wendell, he didn't care. He said, let's go knocking on doors. And I said, okay, we will. But Wendell, I've been in this situation before. 
we need to call AAA because being out here, it could take another two, three hours till they show up, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> right. So we called AAA, and then we went hitting the payments. Don't you know the senator came driving down his street? Now, this is the third Saturday we've been there. He knew we'd been knocking on his neighbor's doors, thousands of them, by the way, not just on his street. Um, and he sat there at the stop sign and just watched us walking down the street, going to door after door, knocking on door after door, his neighbors signing our petition. He pulled out, and he drove down the street so slowly. And I remember turning and waving to him. <laughs> and uh, he <laughs> went down back. for another block or so, pulled into someone's driveway, backed out, and came slowly driving back through. And I, he was just being nosy, seeing what we were up to. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that that was the – the trick that did it, Robert, um, I'm not saying that that meant the world or, or changed his vote, but had we not gone, it would have been very easy for me to say no. I, w- I had already said no. If it wouldn't have been for Wendell saying, Dean, let's go do this. I want to I do my part. And, and had his car not broke down, that senator would have never seen us on his street again. Now, I don't know what that means. I, I'll maybe know one day. But uh, it, it certainly helped our cause, I'm, I'm sure. And on top of that, the fir- I want to tell you something. The first lady I went and knocked on her door that morning was probably 70 years old, and she was very nice, very polite. Uh, she signed my petition, really didn't say much of anything, didn't have any questions, and I said, ma'am, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Uh, and she said, what's that? I said, would you next week call or email Uh, your senator and let him know that you support this bill and you want him to do the same thing. And she said, I will not. And I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. Did I I offend you? Did I upset you in some way? What what did I do? I apologize. She said, no. She said, I played tennis with his wife in two hours down the street here at the country club. I will tell her. I said, you know what? That works too. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So um, that'll work. (laughs) It's, it's all part of the model. It's all part of the model. But that was a gift from God, Robert, that, you know, we could not have planned for something like that. Well, that was, uh, man, yeah, that was pretty cool. And last question before I go ahead and bring uh, some of the panelists on is, do you feel that the American people, when it comes to activism, uh, is on the verge or the edge or cusp or whatever you want to say uh, on just kind of getting – into mass activism, uh, just there's going to be a boiling point where they're just going to say, you know what, it's enough, and mass. And now I know we're seeing, you know, which confuses the heck out of me, we've got people riding in the streets over someone who is a criminal getting shot, which I know is a tragedy, uh, but we're seeing thousands of people in the street uh, protesting that, but not, you know, thousands in the street protesting uh, what's going on with our government, you know, and, and losing our sovereignty, not just uh, the state sovereignty, but in my opinion, leaving, uh, losing the sovereignty of we the people. Uh, do you think there's going to be a point where, of course, beyond what we've been seeing with these other, you know, uh, mass uh, presentations, as, as I'll call them, and, of course, just writing things of that nature, uh, you know, but, I mean, something that's actually going to come out of what's uh, what's going on with the government and uh, with we the people here, do you, do you feel that there's a, a do you have a sense out uh, there's out there that there's there's going to be a time where people are going to start uh, coming out and being active in mass? God, I hope so, Robert. 
and 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 yes, I do feel that way. But there's a there there needs to be leadership, just like our our founders took up the cause. Someone needs to lead us. Someone needs to organize. Uh, there needs to be more Dan Grays out there. There needs to be more Steve Petroskis out there. Uh, there needs to be more people that are willing to fight, and they don't care what the repercussions are when the politicians threatens us and they call police when we're outside demonstrating or we show up at their fundraiser and they call the police and they want to squash our rights then and there. It's going to take more people, and uh, I, I, I think Thomas Jefferson was right. I think that there will need to be some martyrs at some point in time, and if, frankly, if you look back, that's how the left got to where they are. They weren't afraid. They didn't back down. And frankly, sir, there needs to be people that fear no man, but only fear their God. And and I, and that's what it's going to have to take, Robert. Um, these feel-good uh, get-together, you know, I, I've been around uh, Tea Party meetings and different groups for a few years now, and they're all well and good. But the, the we need more people that will stand up, the leaders of these groups. We need more people to support them and not people sitting in the seats mm-hmm. to be entertained at these meetings. They have to realize that, okay, even if it doesn't affect them, it might affect their kids or their grandkids or their spouse or their neighbor or whoever. And they have to realize, um, we, you know, Lenin always promoted that we, meaning the communists, we advance through retreat. The reason the hammer and the hammer of the sickle is upright, Robert, is because that is the symbolism of retreat. They put the hammer down, they slammed the hammer down, and they pushed us to the point where we yell, kick, and scream bloody murder, and then they pull the hammer up, and it's upright, and then they say, well, we'll compromise. And the next thing we realize, we just lost another bit of our liberty. And then we go home from our fight, and we think everything is okay. And then the leftist mm-hmm. comes along, and they push again. And the perfect example is this gay marriage movement, uh, gay rights or whatever you want to call it. They have done this incrementally, and it has gained speed. We can do the same thing, but we have to realize what's going on and what they're doing. Uh, they are no better than us. They are no different than us. They are no more powerful than us. They're just using the tools better than we use them. We don't even realize we have the tools to make change. And that's what Campaign for Liberty and the confrontational political model offers America, Robert. It offers us a chance to make change again here in America and bring that pendulum at least back to center. Can I get an amen? You've got it, <laughs> in a sense that I can get it. Uh, so well, we don't have Steve here, and uh, I think we will be having uh, Steve Petrowski on the show again. Uh, we were looking to have him on uh, last week, actually, but unfortunately he had some things uh, happen that uh, we'll be reconnecting with him and uh, having him back on uh, probably sometime uh, later on this month. I know next Wednesday I am taking a, a much-needed uh, hiatus just for a week, so it will be one episode uh, that we'll be missing out on, but I will be back uh, for the following week, for the 15th, uh, so we will have a show then. And we're working on a couple things. But, however, we do have uh, one of the gentlemen that you did mention, and that is Dan Gray. We do have him on the line. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring in Dan. And, Joe, I see you wanting to get on the line as well. We're going to get you in. Uh, but first, uh, let's go ahead and uh, say hello to Dan Gray. How are you? Mad, bad, and dangerous to know. 
<laughs> there we go. You uh, have the floor. I've been listening intently to Dean, and I, I was uh, lucky enough, not at the very beginning of his political awakening, but the beginning of his real activism. I, I came out of the blue because I'm always uh, insinuating myself into situations just to see if I can help out, and they say, no, that's okay, but uh, you know, I'm there to help. It's not about any individual. Um, but it is about leadership, and that does mean individuals. So Dean started this, this uh, Campaign for Liberty group in Bethel, PA, and he ambitiously said it's a tri-county group. We're going to have uh, Berks and uh, Lebanon and Schuylkill counties. This is a, a landmass, uh, Robert, that, uh, well, we're way bigger than Rhode Island, let's put it that way. And there's a lot of people. And uh, I got to speak at the very first thing. I spoke about uh, my union experiences, uh, anti-corruption, and I think we had eight or ten people there. And it was it was nice, though. It was good because I could see more coming. And I said, it's going to grow. It's going to grow, and in a few meetings, you're going to need a larger place. And he did. And in a few meetings, you're going to be reaching out and, and actually influencing other counties. And... In a few more meetings, you're going to be getting together with other groups who are going to be doing the same thing, and it's been happening. Everything Dean is telling you is the absolute gospel truth. I know it for a fact, and this is what I've been hoping for, what I've been praying for, for a very, very long time. And folks probably know that I started off on the left, and I have no problem with honest liberals. We were back then. We believed. The movement was not about these these uh, conspiracy-minded statists. Well, maybe it always was. Maybe there's people in our movement who are like that. But it wasn't, for the most part, about that. It was a bunch of young people and middle-aged people and older people who saw injustice, who saw a society that was falling apart, that required change. Just like honest conservatives say, don't, don't, don't change everything all at once. Let's, let's, Consider this carefully. Let's look at what's important. What do we want to keep that really did work and, and could continue to work? An honest liberal says, hey, all that stuff in the past was in the past. What can we do today? But without a framework, without guarantees of our liberty, we get taken advantage of by people like Stalin and, and Lenin and Hitler and Tojo and whatever their ideology, like the people who are running the status today. And there's you know, you can you can talk about Obama on one hand for uh, the the left. You can talk about Boehner on the other hand for the alleged right, and you can talk about Soros <laughs> yeah, as, as a uh, well as as a bona fide um, commercialist, cap you know crony capitalist um, who's just trying to make money off this whole thing and grab control. There are masses involved, and you were asking if this was going to turn into a mass movement. When I was involved with uh, Operation American Spring a couple of years ago, we were really, really hoping that we would get millions. We didn't get millions. We got thousands. And those thousands, though, they were just people who showed up. Almost every single one of them is a leader today. And when I say a leader, I, it's, you know, I've said this before. You can get out with a flag and start marching down Main Street, but if nobody's following you, you're not a leader. You're just somebody who's going your own way. And that's fine. But... It does require leadership. So those thousands of people took this, this wonderful experience and it used it as a learning tool. 
and have kept contact with each other. And every single one of them, with rare exceptions, is strongly involved and now has hundreds or thousands of people who are actually doing the day-to-day work that matters. We have people um, like Dean who are using the confrontational method of politics, which was invented a long time ago. This is not something new, and it's not even something that Saul Alinsky came up with. This is very, very old. This is the way people work, and this is the way society works, and this is the way politics work, and it does work. And then there's people who are doing social media and people who are attacking, people who are growing. There are people doing all kinds of different things, but the main point is they're doing things. So this activism translates into action, and then what happens? Well, that leader needs followers. So who's following the statists? You have some lukewarm support from the people who are getting benefits. They're not really following the statists. They're not really doing much of anything except occasionally showing up to vote and going, yeah, yeah, I need my check. I can't find a job. All right, fine. Well, they're not really doing anything. They they don't count in the political process. Honestly, it's a sad thing, but it's an honest thing. They don't count much because they don't do anything. So you've got the people on the um, status side who are doing things, but you've got to pay them to do it. And they don't really care that much. Then you've got the real diehard blood in their eyes, just crazed for, for this stuff. And you know what? Nobody's paying much attention to them. Nobody cares about them. They can, sure, they can go into a situation that's, that's ripe for, for violence like Ferguson and stir up things, get the 15- and 16-year-old boys. I don't know about you, but I was a real thug back then. They can get them to come out. As soon as they come out and start acting crazy, you can get the, uh, the professional criminals to say, well, this is great cover. I think I'm going to go rob some places. And you have a riot. But it doesn't really accomplish much at all. Because it's not rioting here. Most of the places we're not rioting. In a lot of places, like here, if you started to riot, you'd end up getting shot. So who has the enthusiasm? And that's the key right there. Who cares? Tonight, I just got home, had a cold dinner after getting off of work. Where was I? At a political meeting in the middle of the summer. You would expect to see four people, the same four people, one with a grievance and a grudge, uh, one who's just a political junkie, the, the reporter who shows up and sometimes gets it accurately, and maybe the one person who shows up because, well, they got something on their mind that they'd really like to be have attended to. Nope. Nope. This meeting at my township, we had another 50 people. That's a huge percentage of my township. We don't get 200. The whole township doesn't have that, uh, you know, but 400 uh, and some homes in it. We got like, uh, what do you think? Uh, about fifteen hundred people, okay, and a couple of hundred thousand dollars in our in our accounts, and some serious stuff going on that we need attended to. And we did win our last election cycle. We put somebody in after defeating uh, Agenda Twenty One, and we won by one vote. Now we're taking them down. The combined votes on the Democrat and Republican side with the write-in for the person that we're putting up against the, the next domino to fall were double what she got. Double. And we're growing. And this is happening everywhere. The next thing is savvy because 
I'll finish this up pretty quick, Robert. But I, yeah, I just uh, we've make got someone points. on the, the line uh, here can only be on for a, a few minutes to our uh, friend James Neighbors from uh, the Overpass oh, right. from America. He can yeah, stay for uh, a few minutes, and then we'll uh, go ahead and bring in Joe. But uh, finish your thought, and then we'll bring in James. Go ahead. All right. Well, the next thing is savvy. It's not enough to have the enthusiasm. you got to know what the heck you're doing. Dean is a master of teaching people how it works, what you need to do to actually get people to understand. It's, it's not enough to get the masses to understand if the people who are, are the leaders don't understand, and now they are starting to. At these meetings, the explanation of why did this guy show up, why did this guy say this, what do they mean when they, they, they do these things? And then comes dedication. And dedication is the real key right there. That's what kept George Washington's army in the field. That's what made this country actually do this miraculous thing of, of enshrining natural rights in a document that we don't pay attention to anymore, but that, that we should return to, which limits the government's power. Unheard of. Never happened before in the history of humanity. And why? Because people were dedicated enough to put every single thing they had into it. That's how we beat the Nazis. That's how we defeated the Soviets in the Cold War. And there are rules, folks. The rules are people work according to the way people work. It's too deep for me to just mention in a brief statement, but if you want to get involved, you can do far worse than going to the uh, – well, I'll give, let Dean give the, the, uh, the plug for the, uh, the leadership uh, trainings that have been going on. They're, they're happening everywhere. You go to this thing, you're going to learn a lot. So uh, why don't you bring it back to Dean for that, and then let's talk to James. I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, yes. so let's go ahead. We'll uh, bring it back to uh, Dean, and then we'll bring in James, and then we'll have uh, Joe come in. And if uh, other folks would like to chime in, whether you're a panelist or someone out there in the audience, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, we'll get you in on the show. Again, that number is uh, 347 Nine four five seven four two eight. Go ahead, Dean. Uh, yes, there are schools going on. I don't teach them. Better people than I, people who are experienced, people from Arizona, Michigan, who have gotten that to be a right-to-work state. Imagine that, Michigan, a right-to-work state. Uh, people that are driving John McCain crazy in Arizona. Uh, people who are knocking off uh, Eric Cantor's in Virginia. These are the people that are teaching these classes, folks, and it's from a group called the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. Uh, it's an organization, but these people are involved with Campaign for Liberty and other groups, and uh, they will teach you. If you qualify, they will teach you uh, their tactics, their methods, of, of how to implement this confrontational model. And there is a class came, coming up July 18th again in Pennsylvania, in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's always a class somewhere going on in your uh, neck of the woods, uh, but that is the latest one. I wish I could give you a link, uh, but look up FACL, the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, July 18th in York, Pennsylvania, or wherever your locale is, Look these people up on the Internet, and you will find a class coming to your area real soon. Thank you very much, Dean. Of course, uh, we've got you on the line, so let's go ahead and bring in James. James, it's great to hear from you. How you been? Oh, been doing very busy and fine, Robert. How are you doing? 
Oh, doing well, doing well. I'm uh, taking a little hi- uh, hiatus next week just for uh, a little vacation, uh, much needed, and I would almost be as bold as to say much deserved uh, a week uh, to go visit my brother and uh, just get a little R&R in. Uh, but how about yourself? And, of course, if I haven't had a chance uh, to congratulate you on your nuptials, uh, congratulations on that, correct? Yes, indeed, and thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, you know, big, big life changing thing, and and you know, when you uh, when you you know when you uh, meld your life with someone else's, it tends to take uh, your priorities change a little bit, and you have a little less free time, or where well, I guess you would call it free time before, but then it's productive time now. So. <laughs> I was going to make a comment, but I'll save that for Bard's Logic After Dark. Go ahead, James. Well, you know, um, just, uh, you know, keeping overpasses rolling. I'm, you know, I moved out here to California, and uh, I, I tell you, uh, if you've not been here recently, and you're really just visiting, you, you really just can't quite grasp the, the gravity of it. Um, well, to, to be quite just blunt, um, California is foreign occupied territory right now. And, you know, moving out here to, to see the differences in in some in a place Think about with a hammer, go ahead. You know, it's uh California's a different place and it's not because the Americans here are any different, it's because of the people that aren't Americans here. And um I mean there's places here I mean it's 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 just incredible. You wouldn't even think it was America, and wow. and you know, so it's it's been quite an education, you know, moving out here, um, just to see really how how tough the fight's going to be to prevent amnesty. Because I I'm, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, deporting just the people in California that don't belong in this country is is probably going to take the military. Wow. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, deportation in that matter, even for the people who uh, shouldn't be here and also uh, some of the criminal element as well. Well, exactly. And it's uh, unfortunately, even to clean up the criminal element that we've allowed to come into this country, that's that's going to take uh, a lot of work and it's going to be an exciting time just to do that. But but, you know, um, you know, a lot of a lot of things have changed uh over the last several months, you know, one, you know, you, as you were, as you were talking, as Dan was talking about earlier about the elections, you know, we, we won in November, but really we were just betrayed in November. Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we, we won on paper, but in reality we were all betrayed. I mean, the TPP, the TPIP, the TAA, you know, we've got three treasonous uh, treaties that that will dissolve the borders of this nation and and make millions more unemployed and we're just, we're just chugging along on that like it's a good thing and uh, well it's not a good thing and it's not good for America NAFTA wasn't good for America and you can still hear the sucking sound of jobs going south you know which is amazing mm-hmm. considering how many people we have here from you know. You know, all these jobs that have gone from America down south of our border, but yet we've still got 40, you know, 40 some odd million people from south of the border. So, you know, there's a larger picture going on. And I I really 
combined with the TP with with those three treaties, I really think what we're what we're looking at is really just a global effort to dissolve borders entirely. And it's not a government effort, although they're certainly the government's certainly doing their part. In, when it boils right down to it, it's money and corporate interests that are causing this to happen. Mm-hmm. Multinational and, corporations that have no loyalty to any one nation. Go ahead. Well, exactly, exactly, and that's what we're facing right now. Is we're we're really looking at the developing the development of a global oligarchy, and well, that's not going to be good for anybody except for those people that are running things. And mm-hmm. you know, because you know, because of that, and then faced with the betrayal of the GOP um, after after the November elections, the fact that they really haven't done much anything productive, you know, for the American people, um, you know, and, and and they keep siding with Obama on the worst of things. I mean, it was just astonishing yeah. to actually yeah. see Nancy Pelosi stand up to Obama on the T, on the TPP. I mean, I, I, it's like I, I went into bizarro world and everything's backwards. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, it's so well, now the Democrats are the opposition party against their own president and the Republicans are as a supporter. Oh, did I say that, that, that out loud? Go ahead, uh, uh, James. Yeah, exactly. Well, and what it boils down to is 90% of the people in Washington, D.C. don't represent us. They represent the corporate uh, funder, the people that funded them. That's who they mm-hmm. represent. They're not representing their voters. If they were, we would be dealing with some issues, even if it were tough. And, but we're not, and things are continuing to, getting wor- you know, continuing to get worse. Um, but, you know, with that in mind, with that in mind, you know, seeing everything that's happening and you know, with the with the just blatantly obvious uh, fact that our you know our Congress is not going to remove Barack Hussein Obama from office. It was a long shot. I'll be you know honestly when we when I started over Passes for America, it was a long shot then. And we and you know I wasn't deluding myself into thinking that it was just going to be a simple thing of flipping the Senate and we we might get him out. No, it wasn't a simple thing, and no, it's not going to happen. Because they're colluding with them, and you don't get, you know, it, it's it's just amazing, you know. And so we've kind of had to change the focus of things, and you know, with the recent decisions by the Supreme Court, both of which drastically impact religious liberty in the in the United States, up being Obamacare and the. Uh, you know, the gay marriage rule. And not only that, it was a shredding of the Constitution in regards to the Tenth Amendment. You know, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that gays cannot marry. There really isn't, whether people like it or not. I mean, you know, that's that's your own personal personal thing. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that can never happen. The problem is the way they went about implementing it was extraordinarily unconstitutional. And anybody that, you know, that any state that complies with that with the ruling of the Supreme Court as it stands is shredding the Constitution. And so because of these social issues, and then, you know, of course, we've also got Obamacare, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's wrapped up in several different amendments of the Constitution that, uh, you know, are just being shredded by its existence. And, you know, because of all these social issues and constitutional issues that involve social issues going on with our current government, we've had no choice but 
to take up these social issues and speak out for them because somebody has to. And they're all directly related into politics and how this country is being changed and not for the better. And so what what other choice do we have if the system is the problem? And so we're going to have to we're going to have to confront them just like what was done uh, to get things the way they are now. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to do a lot of confronting to roll back this massive government. We can't be passive with Congress anymore. We have to be actively engaged and make them understand who their master is. And, and you know, right now things are reversed. And Americans are going to have to wake up. We're going to have to stop this passive, aggressive uh, behavior that's, that's, that's overtaken this nation. And we're going to have to be more, more assertive with ourselves and defend ourselves. And in order to do that, in order to, in, to inspire people, well, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to draw a hard line. In, you know, we're going to have to draw a line in the concrete and not take a step back on any issues. You know, the, the, there's been compromise, 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 compromise. And now the full-blown assault on Christianity has begun in this nation. The moment, the moment that the Supreme Court decided that lawsuits were filed against uh, various Christian ministers and pastors across the country to force them mm-hmm. to comply with, with same-sex marriage. And I'm sorry, that is not an agenda of equality. That's an agenda of tyranny. And I will fight tyranny no matter what color of the rainbow it has. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're going to be moving in uh, to uh, that topic shortly. I've got a question for you, James, in the chat. I guess two, but we'll only have time for one, and perhaps we'll be able to go on the the other. And I don't want to get too off topic with it. Uh, but it's you know, you want to know if you want to make any comments on Trump's comments on Mexicans. And then what we're going to well, after that, after your response, we're going to go ahead and get uh, Joe in, and we'll uh, get our discussion on the. Um, uh, on our topic tonight, but of course we do have to give. Uh, actually, I just noticed <laughs> the time it was. That's been one of the fastest hours I recall uh, for a while. Is uh, I know, Dean, you said something about turning into a pumpkin at uh, 11 uh, p.m. Is there any way we can hold that magic off, or uh, or do you have to go? And if so, uh, go ahead and let's get you some party uh, party comments. Yeah, I, um, I apologize, Robert, but I will have to go, and my wife reminded me of that just a minute ago. Uh, <laughs> so I have got an early start, and we have a lot of big plans tomorrow. So uh, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, uh, please uh, continue the fight, what, whatever you're doing. I know Dan Gray always says we need to fight on all fronts, and I believe that. Uh, but we need people to rise up. Uh, grab a hold of someone. If you don't know what to do, ask someone. Uh, if they don't know, go grab someone else. Go to the website. Look up Campaign for Liberty. Uh, you can click on any state in the union and find a coordinator there that can help you get started or can put you in touch with someone that's in your state already involved, uh, your local Tea Party. Uh, to, don't take 
for granted, whether you're Democrat or Republican, uh, as, as the gentleman was just saying how disappointed we are with the last elections, we've been betrayed. Don't you think it's happening in both parties? There are two sides of the same coin. Don't take it for granted anymore, folks. I don't care who has the majority. We are in the minority. And we have to take it back, and we have to take a stand. And a, a, a book that I would suggest that everyone reads out there is by H.R. Richardson, and it's a book simply called Confrontational Politics. And if you had any questions about that, then continue your, your research with FACL, F-A-C-L, the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. Thank you very much for your time, Robert, and it was a pleasure. It was an honor being a part of the show. Well, we definitely uh, appreciate uh, you having on. We'd like to have you on uh, again at some point. And what I'll do is uh, we'll send you the link to the podcast uh, so you can, you know, put that out uh, for others to hear our talk with you. And, of course, uh, if they can hear the remainder of the show on our topic this evening. So I'll, I'll send that uh, through you in the email uh, this evening. I'll send you the link to the podcast. Thank you, Robert, and God bless you all. And uh, thank you once again. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Take uh, care, folks. Thank you, Dean. Take care. Yep. Good night. We'll definitely check this out, folks. Uh, uh, the, the websites uh, that he talks about will definitely, uh, if someone can uh, send that to me in a link either on Facebook or an email uh, or here in chat so I can put those links uh, on the Bard's Logic Folk uh, Talk page uh, there on Facebook. And so we'll uh, yeah. check that out. Actually, I'll get myself a, a, a links page on on the website as well. Uh, go ahead, James. Oh, I'm Would you sorry. Like to make I wasn't comments on uh, the question. What's that? Oh, just if if somebody could send me the link too, that would be outstanding. <laughs> oh, certainly. Well, we're still connected there on on Facebook, so we'll we'll definitely uh, be uh, sharing the information amongst uh, all of us. And so, yeah, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to go ahead and answer the the one question from uh, the chat about what your thoughts are on the Trump's comments about vaccines. Then we're going to bring Joe in, and we're going to talk about uh, our uh, other topic for tonight, and that, of course, uh, the Supreme Court's ruling making gay marriage legal across the 50 states. And what does that do? What does that mean for state and religious sovereignty? Is is the ruling put in jeopardy? And we're definitely going to talk about that uh, tonight. Uh, we have uh, plenty of time, so go ahead and answer that question. I'll bring in Joe. I also see uh, Cindy on the line. I'd like to chime in. Uh, we'll bring, be bringing Cindy in, too. Uh, then, of course, we'll bring it back around so we can get you back in, of course, Dan. Uh, but first, let's go over to you, James. Uh, well, you know, in regards to what Donald Trump said, you know, you can one thing you can count on the Trump saying is whatever's on his mind. He's not politically correct, and he doesn't care if you don't like it. And honestly, we need a whole lot more of people that are as candid as Donald Trump. Did he offend some people? Oh, no doubt. Did he say some things that maybe a whole lot of other people have been thinking for quite some time? I would say probably so. Um, You know, it, it should be interesting to see how his lawsuit with Univision pans out. Um, you know, that's $500 million is, well, that'd go a good, that'd be a good chunk to put into his campaign fund. Um, I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. agree. With, I don't necessarily agree with a hundred percent of what he said, you know, um, 
you know, I don't remember it all for ver- for verbatim, you know, what he said, but I, there were a couple of things that popped out of his mouth. I was when he said it, I was kind of like, mm, I might have phrased that a little differently, but hey, he's Donald Trump, you know. <laughs> just, yeah, that's exactly. And so, you know, but as far as what some of the things he said about Mexico, you know, I mean, you know, the the fact that they're suckering America, absolutely, they absolutely are. They're taking us for the chumps that anybody would. I mean, come on. Uh, well, maybe not anybody, but but the vast majority of people, if they could get a sweet deal like Mexico has with the way they're using the United States, just about anybody's going to take it. I don't blame Mexico for it. I blame our, our government for it. If I were the Mexican president, I'd be trying to suck every penny out of this country that I could. Why wouldn't I? I'm looking out for my country. I don't care about that one north of me. Mm-mm. That's it when I and I do see it's uh, top of the hour. I'd say what a very fast hour uh, tonight on Bart's Logical Talk. And uh, James, hopefully you could stay on uh, for a bit. It was great to hear from you. Hopefully we'll be able to hear more from you in the future. But well, let's I, go ahead and uh, bring in Joe. And uh, well, Joe, hey. thanks for calling to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Robert. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. And if, uh, of course, folks, uh, the mics are all on. So go ahead, Joe. Uh, yes. Um, you know, um, what I find really, really troubling is uh, there were two landmark decisions made by the Supreme Court last week. The one on Thursday, uh, King versus uh, Burwell, in which the court agreed with the Obama administration, unfortunately, that the tax subsidies are available under the Affordable Care Act for everyone who purchases uh, you know, health insurance on an exchange. Um, and uh, that was... Uh, uh, a big landmark decision uh, uh, in favor of the Affordable Care Act and the tax subsidies. And then on Friday was the other whopper, which was the same-sex uh, marriage uh, that was decided, which is uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, in which the court struck down the state's bans on same-sex marriage. Uh, and, of course, that creates uh, two um, problems there. Uh, there's focuses on the implications of the decision for employee benefits and at the same time uh, analyzing what decision will mean for uh, houses of worship and government actions. Now, what I find a little bit troubling and what, what is uh, becoming um, the buzz uh, is Chief Justice Roberts' dissent and um, how his dissent on the King versus Burwell versus his polar opposite dissent in his opinion on Friday's landmark victory for marriage equality. And I'm just still puzzled. I don't understand. Um, Is he schizophrenic know, or no? Go ahead. Um, I, I'm sure acting like he is. Um, I hate to say <laughs> it, but uh, I just purchased. don't get it because his remarkable majority opinion in the King versus Burwell, um, he stated to his fellow conservatives, uh, lawyers, um, uh, he actually had the audacity to state uh, that uh, the courts uh, is not a tool to fight political battles. Then, quote, he goes on saying, in a democracy, the power to make the law rests with those chosen by the people. He then went on further to add language that will render the Affordable Care Act unusually resistant to legal challenge. But then if you read his uh, landmark, um, if you read his dissent, 
that he made on on Friday's decision. Um, it, it's it's just polar opposite. In other words, with the Obergefell versus Hodges, which was the uh, landmark victory for marriage equality, he is basically a double defeat for conservatives because at the same moment that a majority of the court declared the United States to be uh, a marriage equality nation. Chief Justice Roberts announced to his fellow conservatives that their most ambitious legal cases are doomed to fail. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, on what side of the fence is he fighting on? And his dissent is totally polar opposite to uh, his dissent that he had uh, the the day before uh, on the King versus Burwell. And so a lot of people are are starting to ask, even – even um, uh, newspaper articles. There was one interesting article by Steve Macedo, and on, on the top page it says, John Roberts' gay marriage dissent is wrong about polygamy and the Constitution. And um, it goes on, and in that article, um, you know, they discuss his wide-ranging dissent in the Supreme Court landmark ruling on same-sex marriage, um, you know, where Chief Justice Roberts sets out a simple proposition. And the proposition was, quote, if same-sex marriage, then polygamy. So, um, you know, and then he goes on to say, um, indeed, the, the, the chief argues boldly that it would have been less of a stretch if the Supreme Court had embraced not same-sex but plural marriage, declaring from the standpoint of history and tradition, which is a leap from opposite-sex marriage to same-sex marriage, and is much greater than one from a two-person union to um, to different marital unions, which have deep roots in some cultures around the world. He also goes on to say if the majority is willing to take the big leap, it's hard to see how it can say no to the shorter one. And so I'm just stunned, Robert, um, um, that he even would bring up the issue of polygamy uh, as well, um, how he factored that in into same-sex marriage uh, is beyond me. But uh, basically but from the point not- of view... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, no, that's kind of one of the things. I was I was heading in the I was heading in the work the other day, and uh, I was listening to uh, I think a gentleman I'm working on actually having come onto the show uh, to discuss. Uh, no, he's an advocate of polygamy, so we're looking to have him right. on. I think the timing of it. We were just talking about it last week, and now that we get this rolling, I so well, I, I find the timing uh, somewhat interesting. And that's I'm sorry. Funny. No, I think he's going to love yeah, and, Justice Roberts. That's for sure. I mean, he uh, well, you know, actually, I think he will. I mean, well, well, real, quick, point, real quick, real quick, uh-huh. Well, real, real quick is the sure. thing that that kind of caught me is uh, the, the, there was a gentleman on who was advocating polygamy, but then the person uh, afterwards on uh, uh-huh. one of the local radio show was one of right. the advocates for the gay marriage, and he said, "Well, wait," that the guy was like, "Well, wait a minute, no." It's because you have gay marriage, you know, now they're saying you can have gay marriage doesn't mean that, you know, it should open it up for polygamy. I'm like, well, wait a minute. And then he started talking about uh, the basis of family and the basis of society. I'm like, well, wait a minute. The basis of of the family used to be where it was, you know, the man and the woman, and now it's not the case anymore. So you're talking about the foundations of family, the foundations of society. I'm talking about the guy who was on the radio who was advocating same-sex marriage. And now, yeah, Robert, you know, it's basically, real? it's good for you, but it's not good for the polygamists. Go ahead, Jeff. Right. Like, is the, the golden liberal double standard, you know what I'm saying? So it was okay with his dissent on same-sex marriage, but since he linked that with polygamy, 
uh, I'm not really sure why he would factor polygamy, which is a separate issue, but he did link that with that Supreme Court ruling in the dissent. Is beyond me, but, uh, you know, from the point of view of an alternative framework uh, that Justice Anthony uh, Kennedy seems to accept, um, uh, he, he uh, same-sex marriage and polygamy appear in very different lights, and that was the opinion of Justice Anthony Kennedy, uh, with the one contributing to and the other undermining the Constitution's core commitment to equal liberty. So I think there's a muck being run here with the Supreme Court. I mean, we have... Justice Roberts on one end, we have uh, Anthony Kennedy, who's uh, saying that uh, polygamy and same-sex marriage are in very different lights, and uh, that's that's uh, that's like uh, oil and vinegar. It just doesn't have a great mix. See, basically the problem, in other words, in my opinion, it, it, it doesn't not only lies in Roberts' flawed description of marriage and his history, because that's basically what it was. He had a very flawed description of the marriage and the history, the though and uh, the there and the rather, and, he, and in his approach of interpreting the Constitution. Uh, in my opinion, only by seeing this can we appreciate why the court's same-sex marriage decision strengthens marriage as a constitutional uh, matter. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure about that. That's more of a rhetorical question. I repeat it again. Only by seeing this can we be appreciative why the court's same-sex marriage decisions strengthens marriage as a constitutional matter. Uh, in, in a way, this is my opinion. Uh, I've always advocated that you know people of the same sex should have uh, rights, should have civil rights, um, should have rights afforded to Which them. I agree. Right, which I agree as well, agree where, where they should not be discriminated in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, that 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 is my agreement. I think that what happened in the Supreme Court that should have been left up to the states, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. that right. was not the case. That was that was fought in the Supreme Court, uh, and um, that's that's the problem. Is uh, you know. Um, Kennedy, um, who is, uh, of course, to the left, but it, it's it's Roberts. Roberts is uh, uh, Justice Roberts is supposed to be um, uh, a very disciplined conservative, uh, but I mean, you just really don't know which way he's going to vote anymore, and it just begs the question. It begs the question: Does Chief Justice Roberts' marriage equality dissent actually have a hidden message for conservatives? That's that's what really begs the question. Uh, you know, uh, some are even calling him a villain in an Oscar-winning film about the, the, the fight for marriage uh, equality. You know, yet the process of him reaching his conclusion, uh, he rejected a particularly aggressive brand of judicial conservatism that is rapidly becoming uh, a, 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 adjacent in conservative legal circles. So, you know, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm just dumbfounded here, um, and I think that is what a lot of people are, what is what's stirring the pot, is his descent from King versus Burwell to the next day his descent uh, in the um, uh, Obergefell field uh, versus Hodges are just polar opposites, and on what side of the fence he was on. And so, um, uh, yes, it's, it's, it, it, it was a, a horrible week for conservatives, but it seems that the Supreme Court has too much power that is not granted by them 
to, by the Constitution. And a lot of people are arguing, even maybe adding a um, a referendum or allowing um, the issue of term limits, discussing the issue of term limits for the Supreme Court, because currently they are no. I always favor that. Supreme Court justices, exactly. And so, at this point, in all honesty, although conservatives are really devastated about the um, the uh, the the King versus Burwell because that is a big 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 victory for the Affordable Care Act. Um, that is that is huge, um, and uh, also for the legalization of of gay marriage, same sex marriage in all all fifty states. Um, the question is, most conservatives, uh, is it is it in their favor to not argue about the decision? of Obergefell versus Hodges, because may that be a good tactic in where, since this issue has pretty much been um, etched in stone, as of now, anything can change. Now, that may be less ammunition that the liberals would be able to use against conservatives, because that's one of the biggest issues that liberals have or have had coming into the 2016 Republican presidential primary is the um, the same-sex marriage issue, which is a big social issue, and uh, also at the same time um, the King versus Burwell issue. And so with at least the Obergefell versus Hodges off of the plate, I think a lot of conservatives are questioning strategically, well, maybe this is a good thing, so we're not pitting the box on this. This has been pretty much settled. Most conservatives have already been outspoken, especially a few of the candidates, including Bobby Jindal and Mike Huckabee, went on the record today in stating this should have been a state's right issue, uh, beyond mm-hmm. the shadow of a doubt, um, quote. And so, um, but it may be to their favor strategically that now this is not an, an, uh, 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 an ammunition that liberals can even put on the table. Because this is already decided, so that may that right. May but be how, well, how are you going to fight against? Uh, well, no, what are you, you going to do? What, what are you going to do? Just just let it lie and not do anything to try to, to change it. Let's uh, go ahead and I'll come back to that. And let's go ahead and uh, bring Cindy for people come all over it. Let's go ahead and uh, bring Cindy in and and get her thoughts, and then uh, we'll bring it back uh, to you, Dan. And then, uh, James, if you could still uh, sit on, we'll uh, get it to you, and then uh, we'll move from there. And we got business, we got plenty of time, but go ahead, Cindy. But I definitely want to bring it back, Joe, because uh, I, I want to talk about later, if we have time, you know, bringing in the 2016 election. I mean, what are you going to run again? What are you going to run for? What are you going to run on doing? I mean, there's, I mean, are we supposed to just give up conservatism? Is conservatism dead? Uh, when it comes to, you know, Obamacare now and uh, also against what I see more more importantly is uh, the gay marriage issue is the state sovereignty issue and uh, taking the votes away from we the people. I mean, uh, that's something they're going to be able to run on the presidential candidates, whether it's in the primary or in the general election. Is that something that they're going to, you know, it's going to be part of the discussion about, I definitely want to try to get there at some point tonight. Um, or, or we'll have to get it uh, to another show. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Cindy. 
Well, I, I think the question is not so much uh, – we're not going to give up on conservatism. I don't think conservatives will be willing to do that. But I think the the question is, are they going to want to take uh, – are they going to want to continue to use the system to try to change things, or are they going to um, look for more drastic solutions like a revolution? And I, I wanted to ask James while he's still on, because I know you have to go pretty soon, James. And anytime you do need to, just give us. Oh, a, we just lost him. Just and oh, we, he did. Well, unless he calls back. Yeah, he just dropped the line. Uh, let's see if he okay. was able to call back in, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I know that he had to go because he was uh, having a late dinner and and he was supposed to cook it. So <laughs> anyway, um, I, I just wanted to ask James. He domesticated him. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to know what James's opinion on this because he comes from California, a very liberal state. Um, you know, we'll, 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 when we get Kelly on the line, maybe we can ask him. He's from California too. Go ahead. Okay, and um, he, he um, you know, I, I'd like to know: Do Californians think that that, uh, that Californians would fight for? Uh, to, to bring our nation to get our nation back, you know, and I'd like to know what everybody else on the line tonight thinks about that. You know, are are we do we think that there is still an option um, in the system? Is there still a way to? Um, I mean, because every time we elect somebody, not every time, but a lot of times we've elected people, and we thought that they were going to go in there and. Uh, do the conservative work, and they end up just getting hijacked by all the cronyism and the hierarchy, and they they can't get anything done. Um, even those who have stood up and fought, um, you know, filibustered and just whatever they could, you know, to get something done, um, they were pretty much kicking against the pricks. No, they don't have they don't have the power that Boehner and his machine and McConnell and his machine have. So, is there even a chance for us to get this done in the system, or do we need to, or is our next step um, some sort of a, a revolution? And I'll take well, anybody. Let's take go ahead and. Well, I'm, I'm starting to lose. I'm, I'm definitely starting to lose faith, uh, faith in the system for the exact points that you just made, uh, Cindy. And then with what the, you know, with the Supreme Court, and then with the information that Joe, uh, you know, has told us, I'm, I'm certainly starting to lose faith. But now I do like the idea of if we could, you know, there can be a presidential candidate to uh, get it where we can have term limits. I don't know if that would ever happen, but I mean, I guess it is something to. Uh, try to get some support behind. Uh, but let's go ahead and, because uh, I know, you know, you know a lot of folks who, who think there may be uh, a, a revolution coming, uh, Dan. Uh, so what, what do you think? Well, government only really matters. I think you've got a very important, we, you know, pertinent question. Yeah, well, here's my answer. Government only matters if we endorse it. It could be tacit endorsement by simply not opposing it. It only has power if we allow it. I think that actually what the Supreme Court is doing by taking unconstitutional powers down to themselves and making these wild, wild rulings, what the administration is doing 
what the Congress is doing and the Senate and, and even the state houses and the local municipalities, what they're doing in their hubris is serving us in a way they can't even imagine. Because, you know, if all they did was simply uh, gain power for their own personal ends, you know, like, uh, like Al Capone did. Al Capone was not interested in political change. He was not interested in political power except where it mattered to him, which was to protect his money-making interests and to keep his enemies down and to reward his friends. Okay, If they just did that, most of us aren't their enemies. Most of us aren't their friends. The pie is big enough. They leave us alone most of the time because, hey, they want to make money, which means they have to have a vibrant economy. It's hard to make money when nobody has any. And we'd, we'd continue to get along with it, but they're doing more than that. What they're doing in the Supreme Court and the administration and the Congress and all these other offices is they're trying to change the fundamental nature of the relationship that we have with each other, not just with the government. They're trying to change how we are toward each other. And fool, uh, fortunately, they're foolish. Fortunately, they don't seem to have one single clue as most delusional types don't, about human nature. What they're doing is serving us. The more they push, look, in my township, I mentioned this before, our revolt began with a revolt against uh, the quality of life ordinances, which are Agenda 21 light. Until they decided to do that, they, were already, they could get away with rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies and getting money and uh, accumulating power for themselves. And pretty much... Nobody really bothered because, hey, we have our own lives, and those are politicians, and they're scumbags. And as long as, long as the streets are plowed and paved and the grass is mowed, yeah, you are not too concerned. But when they start encroaching on our lives, when we start feeling it, when, when the pain becomes visceral, when the, the ridiculousness of their, their views becomes manifest in actions that we're forced to take, then people start to change. Okay, the, the attitude towards police in this country changed when you saw a police car and it wasn't, oh, there's a police car, or hey, there's somebody who might be able to give me directions. There's a friendly face who serves us to, oh my God, I could get stopped, this paranoia. It started to change when instead of, oh dear, I've got to write my tax bill out, you know, oh well, that's a pain in the butt, boy, I'm glad that's over with, a couple of weeks of pain, and we're back to normal. When it's, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my house, like Dean was talking about. When it's, oh, my God, they, they're forcing us to, to use the same restrooms. as, And we're not talking black and white here. And we're not talking single occupancy restrooms, which are pretty much unisex. But as somebody who says that they're the same gender as me, and now they're in the restroom with me while I'm doing my business, um, when they're forcing us to change everything about the way we look at ourselves and we're not willing to do it because it's just not reality. It's not the way we are. Look, um, Bruce Jenner can change his name to Caitlin and put on some makeup and call himself anything he wants, and it's America, and I know what he does. That's fine. But don't tell me I have to endorse it. Don't tell me it has to be part of my life. I, I have gay people in my family and I really don't think that, as, as Kennedy said in his Supreme Court opinion, I think he was right in a beautiful, poetical, philosophical sense that they deserve love like anyone else. Absolutely. 
I have no argument with that. They're fine people if they're fine people, and that's based on their actions, not any sort of preference that they might have for mm-hmm. what should be, in my opinion, behind their own bedroom doors. Um, but when they start forcing this stuff on us, and when the, the real, and I'm not talking fringe groups like just a few people believe, but fringe in terms of what's acceptable to human, we don't accept people having sex with their dogs and horses. It's wrong. Dogs and horses can't consent. We don't accept people having sex with children, and they're pushing that. We don't accept the fact that they can force medical treatments on us or deny medical treatments to us because of who we are. And this is good because the more they do this, the more people no longer endorse government, the more they refuse to give them power. As far as a revolution goes, violence, we're nowhere near that. I really hope that we never get near that. But it could happen, and it could happen fairly fast. And when I say fast, I mean, okay, we're not near it in terms of provocation. Even if there were some giant false flag or even real ISIS-type terrorist attacks widespread over the 4th of July, even if there was a real big problem, um, most of us aren't going to be affected at all. They just can't do it. So that's... That's something that could uh, be used, but not really effectively because they're going to abuse their power and we're not going to comply. When we don't comply and when we laugh at them and when we refuse, they have two choices, which means they can ramp things up or they can back off. They're not ramping things up if they can't win. They're not going to risk all. That's not the way they are. They're, They're tricksters. They know that they have to have at least the majority of us either completely cowed or completely bullshitted, excuse my French, I know it's not after 12, and more and more people are waking up, refusing to be intimidated, and refusing to to listen to any more of the crap that these people are spewing. Look, as far as gay marriage, which was the topic tonight, um, I'm married to a woman who I love, and we were married because we decided that we wanted to spend our lives together. It was quite a few years before we actually got married, because to us, we were married. And you know what the piece of paper means? It means legal benefits, which it shouldn't mean. It should have nothing to do with it. Because, Robert, I'm not that way, and I have nothing against guys who are that way, and you're married and I'm married. We have kids separately from each other. But if I wanted to, I could sign a contract that I can find online really cheap or go to a you know, bookstore, go to Walmart, you can find these things. And I could sign a durable medical power of attorney, which would give you all the rights of a married person to come to my bedside if I'm in the hospital and make decisions for me. I could sign uh, a will and make you my heir, regardless of our relationship outside of, of anything else. I could sign a contract with you that would provide you with just about any sort of benefit that married life could provide to people. And you could have any number of people in that contract. And there's plenty of people out there who don't get married who are committed, and plenty of people who get married officially who aren't committed. It's the commitment that matters as far as marriage goes. This whole idea of government-sanctioned marriage pretty much came about because the government saw another way that they could horn in And they were just basically doing what religious institutions wanted them to do. In this country, it came about primarily in the early 1800s as a way of preventing, in the free states, blacks and whites from marrying. They have to be licensed. I don't need a license. 
if they declared my marriage null and void, if they ripped up the paper, if they said, according to our rules, you are no longer married to your wife. And you know what my answer is? I am, till death do us part. That was the deal we made. We make this deal every single day. It's not a matter of a one-time only thing. It's a matter of a renewed and heartfelt commitment that two people want to have with each other. So if you want to have that and just declare yourself married, go for it. In my eyes, you're married. And if you want to have a contract that is enforceable in case there's property or children or anything else like that, uh, prenuptial agreements, any number of other kinds of things, go ahead and make your contract. As long as it's a legal contract, believe me, you can uphold it. As far as the idea that government is going to step in and suddenly say that marriage is something different, they're full of crap. And there's an unintended consequence, too, because people are paying attention to this. This matters to them because this touches them at a very deep emotional level of their lives. And, and it says that you are not what you think you are, that you're something else, that you have to rethink this. So they're paying attention. And then they start noticing, wait a minute, if the Supreme Court can say that one state has to recognize all other states' marriage licenses, how come I can't get my carry permit to be recognized in another state? In fact, there, there are states that don't have carry permits at all for weapons, and why do I have to? Well, Kansas, Kansas doesn't have that now. New Hampshire doesn't have that. Well, I do. So, and, and why I'm would chi- I have to and have I'm going to chime in. Right, and I'm going to chime in here because actually I found an article tonight that even uh, that uh, addresses that. It uh, this article from Project um, Review. It says, uh, "Did gay marriage rolling just legalize concealed carry nationwide?" Uh, legal experts weigh in, and uh, I guess it just points out uh, some things. It says. Uh, using uh, one, uh, the, the court used the 14th Amendment to establish that states cannot discriminate or deprive a citizen of rights. Um, and then two, in the majority decision, the judges argue that certain personal choices central to individual dignity and autonomy are now protected by due process. And uh, the, three, the third reason is since concealed carry is a personal choice that must be licensed by the state, all states must now honor these permits as to not discriminate against gun owners who are expressing their individual dignity and autonomy. Oh, it's a dark, here's what happens. The Supreme Court says, no, it's not the same. And everybody says, it is the same. And therefore, we don't care what the Supreme Court says. Now, I, I have nothing against the, the institution of the Supreme Court. It's in the Constitution that we should have a Supreme Court. And it's good. However, I don't like the people who are on it, and I don't like the decisions they're making, and it's not because I disagree with them in some legal point of view or I don't like the, 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 the outcome. It's because what they're doing is unconstitutional. That's a word that doesn't mean anything much to most people, but what it means is that they're not limiting themselves or being limited as mm-hmm. the founders intended. They're taking too much power on themselves. The biggest unconstitutional thing that that's ever, ever, ever been done, ever, is to deprive close to 60 million American people, human beings, of their life, often in cruel and unusual ways, simply because they have yet to exit the birth canal in a natural manner. They murder them. Yeah. We are sanctioning murder. And you know what? 
the more people get involved with babies don't have a voice if they aren't born they don't get a chance to cry and they never get a chance to make legal arguments because they don't know how to speak because all they can do basically is be dependent on us to feed them and wash them and hold them and keep them from danger and we're not doing it all right so i'm actually grateful that the Supreme Court has come out this week in twisting the law. I'm grateful that in Obamacare, they actually said, I don't care what all precedent in all legal courts throughout all time have said, which is that the the, the written explicit words of the law are the law. It's not vague. That would make it unconstitutional. They could say this is a vague law. We don't know what it means. And it's it's not confusing. It doesn't say one thing in one place and one thing in another place and constantly internally contradict itself. It says clearly what it says. And they said, well, it does say that, but we want it to mean something else. Well, screw them. I want them off the court. I want to see, you know, people use the word treason. Treason is not what is going on here. These people are committing fraud. They are accepting money for a contract, and they are not delivering on their contract. They are lying. That's what fraud is, commercial fraud, okay? Um, And there's criminal fraud. What they're doing is they're taking the oath to support, uphold, and defend the Constitution of the United States as it is. They are not trying to change the Constitution in any kind of meaningful constitutional way, which has been done over 20 times. They are not proposing an amendment and getting the amendment passed in in so many states, so many uh, different legislatures, so much of a part of Congress. They're they're not doing that. They're just simply saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we support that. Absolutely. We're 100% for it. But we're not going to follow it in any regard whatsoever. So I want them to continue trampling on the Constitution. I want them to wake people up. I want them to have more outrages, and I'm guaranteeing that they will. Now, as far as violence goes, Something very unusual happened, something that's unprecedented. Real quick, quick uh, uh, okay, so I want to get uh, some comments from Joe and then uh, then Cindy and on on something. So I want to bring up something, what could be the thing that may be the tipping point for uh, a lot of folks. Go ahead. All right, well, you talked about violence and revolution, and something very unprecedented has happened. the FBI and Homeland Security have declared that uh, July 4th, especially in big gatherings, is extremely dangerous right now. They upped the threat level, and they're saying that they have credible uh, threats of, of real terrorism by ISIS. I believe that's correct with the open borders. James can certainly confirm that. Um, however, they've done something new. They've reached out to militia leaders. This is real folks. They really have. They've never done this before. And they've asked militia leaders to activate as many of their people as possible who are going to go to these things and to do just the following, to observe, to make certain that they have contact numbers and they have a relationship with the local sheriff, the local police, and with the FBI, the local field office. And they report. And if they say there's something where you just don't have time to report, protect life. That's how serious somebody in the Justice Department is. Now, is this dangerous? Absolutely. But I don't think the majority of militia members are are a danger. Most of these people, um, well, they're not Democrats to begin with. Most of them aren't on uh, mind-altering drugs. Um, Something might be happening this weekend. And the way that we handled it, the way if we handled it soberly, carefully, 
responsibly and forcefully, if required only, might make all the difference in the way people look at this. The only way we're going to prevent people getting that pissed off that we end up having a true violent revolution in this country with all the horrors that that encompasses is by being strong enough that the other side won't dare it. And that strength provides us with the time and the means to actually change the system peacefully. We can get rid of all of these jerks, and we've got to start at the lower levels, which we're doing it. We've, we've had candidates on for governor that are going to win. We've had candidates for Senate that are already in and, so, and, and Congress, and some of them are good. Some of them are actually doing what they said, not many. We need to keep recycling them and getting more in and keep the pressure up. Here in Pennsylvania, our governor, Governor Wolf, put through a budget with $5 billion in tax increases and in spending that he couldn't even pay for with the tax increases. We roundly rejected it. He vetoed it. This is the first time a governor has ever vetoed the entire thing. He's pushing. We're pushing back. And I'll tell you why the Republican wave in Pennsylvania hasn't failed. It hasn't failed because these people want to fail. They want to give in. They want to compromise. But we're holding their feet to the fire. We're, we're being out on their doorsteps of their very homes. We're, we're going to their, their, their home districts. We're knocking on the doors of their constituents. We're doing robocalls, all those things Dean said. And we are holding them to such a standard that they haven't got an inch to move. If they even move one inch off that, they catch fire. And, and they know that they'll not get reelected, and they know they're going to pay a suffering, painful price. That's what it takes. And if we do these things, we can avoid that violent revolution. Some, some welcome this. I think they're crazy. And Joe, uh, you know, you know, what's your thoughts on that? And if that's something indeed going on uh, there in Pennsylvania, you know, can that be duplicated? And if, and if it can be, is there enough time across the country for that to be duplicated? Uh, for it to matter and keep up at the pace of what the statists are doing and, and what we're seeing here uh, recently. And do you think that by the government, you know, starting, and I think this is going to be something that the quote-unquote quality groups are going to try to start uh, forcing, is for religious organizations to marry uh, these folks uh, now. Do you think that would be the tipping point uh, to get people involved in order to fight against this? What do you say, Jeff? Um, okay, um, I'm going to address all those questions. Um, I'll address the last question first. Um, to be very honest with you, uh, a lot of the Republican candidates have uh, have uh, actually uh, spoken about um, that subject, uh, about the boundaries. Um, of, there was an example in which um, they uh, stated that um, if, for example, a same-sex couple went into a bakery and they asked them to make a cake, would it be denying them then civil rights? Would it be a form of discrimination if, because of their religious beliefs, they believe in traditional marriage? Would it be a form of discrimination by not being able to make that? And the second question that came along with that would be, second question would be, would it also be a blatant violation of their religious rights if they were asked to actually attend the event? So I think basically they were trying to compare both of the questions uh, and basically coming to the conclusion that 
with the same with the legalization of same sex marriage, they are going to implement laws that is going to have to mandate that if a bakery is open and a same sex marriage comes in uh, and they want a cake made, they will have to abide by those rules. Uh, otherwise, uh, that would be a form of discrimination. But if they ask them a different question, if the same-sex couple were to go into a bakery and say, we want you to participate in the wedding ceremony, then they would have the right to decline, and therefore that would not be a form of discrimination. That's where the tipping point is scaling towards right now with this um, same-sex marriage legalization. And eventually that is going to be the inevitable because eventually this is going to boil down to a civil rights issue because currently right now um, with with discriminatory laws that are currently on the books, it basically says that any patron can walk in to a store and you cannot discriminate against that patron based on uh, sexual gender, sexual preference, uh, ethnicity, race, or religious views. And basically, those are the, currently the laws that are on the books, which is true. Yes, you know, uh, uh, an owner does have the right to decline someone coming into their shop who maybe does not have a shirt on their back or shoes or maybe homeless but is not, you know, properly dressed. They have that right, but then the question is, if the line is able to be crossed, if the debate is, if they're able to say that based on their religious values, that they would oppose um, servicing a same-sex marriage couple, then how, where does the line, where's the line drawn with the current statutes that state that you cannot, you cannot um, discriminate a patron based on their gender, based on their ethnicity. Well, and I can answer that for you, Joe. Well, I can answer that, Joe, without even being a, you know, without being a a religious person. It's in their religious doctrine. It's written there on paper. All you got to do is go to the, you know, to their Bible or Quran or whatever the heck they're going to use. They say, look, it's against my religious views to serve, you know, a person I follow the Bible, hello, everyone, everyone, even, you don't have to read religious, everyone knows it says in the Bible that, you know, you know, homosexuality is an abomination. And and so if you use that, how can, I mean, you can't say anywhere, let's say if you, you know, you say, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to serve a black, you know, a black person or African-American person because of my religious views. What religion, you know, perhaps, you know, could say this about Islam, maybe, I don't know, but, you know, what religion, let's say, take Christianity, for example, because most of the folks, you know, we're talking about would be Christians here in the United States. You, there's, there's no doctrine, there's no book, there's no preaching, there's no a- anything like that that says, hey, look, you know, it's an abomination to be black, you know, or, or something of that right. nature. There, there, there's no religious doctrine that, that, that says that. So right. you, to try to compare, to try to compare, you know, making a cake or decorating a cake for or, or someone or performing a ceremony for someone, you you can't that whatever happened and let's let's bring this in, into line. What about mm-hmm. uh, separation of church and state? No, 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 that's true. I'm just telling you that's where the argument is 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 heading towards. It's going to head towards to where oh, I agree. They're going to try to put legislation on the books that's also going to mandate that patrons have to service same-sex marriage couples in a bakery. 
They cannot refuse that based on their religious beliefs. But they do have the right. Well, that would be well, another. That'd be a different level if they were to ask him to participate in the actual ceremony, which would be totally different. And you brought up a valid point because here's where I'm coming with this. Chris Christie has officially entered the race today. He is a devout Catholic. But now we have two different versions of the Catholic views. And this is the whole um, mixture of Christianity. We have a new wing of Christianity. And Chris Christie actually went on record yesterday on the Shan Hannity show where he believes that science has proven that you are born a homosexual or a lesbian. Therefore, God cannot take that against you as a sin. Now, this is a valid argument. A lot of Christians are making this argument in saying that they are, in, they are uh, involving science in this now. And that, you know, science has proven that people are, are born gay or lesbian uh, through genetics. And Chris Christie is actually the first candidate that went on record in saying, yes, I may differ from different views of the Catholic Church, but I do believe that this is true. Therefore, in my opinion, God would not, uh, God would not cast that upon them as a sin. And so that's the problem. We're not united on the conservative front. We're split in three different factions. And on the Christian front, we're not united as well. We have one faction of Christianity. Uh, they call it the evolving faction. That's saying, no, 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 no. This, <laughs> okay. is, this is different now. This is different. Uh, hands mm -hmm. off this. Science has now proven that, okay, we didn't know this for 2,000 years or so what. But now we agree that science has proven that you are born this way through genetics Therefore, God cannot cast that as a sin. It's not an abomination. That is one argument. The other argument is the more traditional Christian argument that's saying, no, no, absolutely not. That's hogwash. So we don't even have unity within the Christian base. We have one faction going one way, one going another way. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very interesting what is going to be the differing opinions of the other candidates, what are they going to be their views on this stance? Because on the record, Chris Christie is the only candidate to have brought this issue up so far. But then again, he's only been in the race for one day. He is officially the 14th well, and, candidate to have entered the race. And, and I found this, and, and, and I, I, I kind of say this uh, tongue-in-cheek thing about Chris Christie. Um, as you know, when when you hear, it, you don't know why. It sounds like he wants to have his cake and eat it too. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Sounds like what? Um, no, it's yeah. like he wants to have his cake and eat it too. Um, and I was kind of making a a, a joke about uh, food consumption, I guess. Um, oh, but right. but it was seriously, I, I know cake. Where that's going. I know. Where that's going. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was. It was. Yeah, it was funny. But anyway, I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up donuts too. But let me make my point. Let, let, let me. Let, you know, let me make my point. I don't like Chris Christie. I, I, you know, no, I, I never have. I never will. Um, but with Chris Christie is, you know, it does sound like he's trying to have his cake and get it too. So he wants to get the people who think gay marriage is okay. And frankly, if a guy wants to be with a guy and a girl wants to be a girl, I don't care. Okay. I just don't want them to try to push what they you know, say now is their exactly. right onto someone else. I don't think it's right if they, and it kind of burns my backside the, for them to try to go to the Catholic church or whoever and say, Hey, look right. now because of equality and now I'm equal with everybody else. You've got to marry me even against its attendance of their faith. I, I, you know, it, that makes me mad that they're, they're even considering making folks do that. 
You know, I mean, what happened to yeah. uh, liberty? What happened to the separation of church and state? And so look what Chris Christie's doing. is just saying, you know what? I want the people who think this is okay to be on my side, but I'm saying I'm a Catholic, so I want the Catholics who may disagree, but they'll still agree with me and want to vote for me because I'm a Catholic. You know, but here's what's through my understanding, and, and, so with Ke- uh-huh. and, and my understanding, and, and, and Cindy, you correct me if I'm wrong, okay, is that through my understanding, religious dogma was supposed to be immutable. Am I wrong? Yeah. But, Robert, if I may say one one quick thing. But what struck me odd was, I don't understand, because Chris Christie contradicted himself in that interview. Because after he makes mm-hmm. that statement, then he says he's against the ruling of same-sex marriage. So I'm, 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 I was confused. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So basically he was speaking, in his own words, an issue of morality, that in his view as a Catholic, he does not think that, based on science, that has concluded that you are born with this uh, via genetics, uh, that you are born mm-hmm. or you're born lesbian, uh, that it is not an abomination. He does not agree with the way the same-sex marriage was legalized. So he, it's kind of a little bit confusing the way he's trying to articulate it. What I got from that is he's basically saying, look, this should have came down to the state. I don't agree with the way it was done at the federal level, but I also do not think, as a as a Catholic, I do not agree with other Catholics who say that being gay is a sin because God would not punish someone for for something that is not their fault. And then he went on to say how science has proven that you are born with this as a you know inheriting this from your the whole family argument, as genetics. The whole argument so is it kind of blew my mind. I mean, you know where he was really trying to go. It's kind of confusing. So I Look, guess he is trying to have his cake and eat it. And from the looks of uh, his weight, maybe that is that is uh, more of a figure of speech. Now wait. But no. So now wait, in, Joseph. on one front he's saying no, I don't agree that this should have been handled at the federal level. But as a Catholic, it's not an abomination. It's not a sin. So right. that's that came from Chris Christie himself. Joseph, um, the first thing is we have to frame the argument. We're t- I'm tired of the status framing the argument. This is not about gay or straight. This is not about religious or civil. Mm-hmm. This is about the government having the power to make you do what you don't want to do when it's supposedly for your own good supposedly for the common good, and it really isn't. Look, I'll tell you, here's my take. I don't really uh-huh. care if someone's gay or not. I don't care one way or the other. I don't care Neither if do they're I. black or white. I don't care about any of these alleged groups that they may belong to or not. Every individual has the right to do what any individual has the right to do naturally. These natural rights, in my opinion, come from God. If you don't believe in God, then at least you we agree they're natural rights. Okay, and that one of those is the right to association and the right to make contracts with each other. And that's all marriage is, is I choose to associate with you on an intimate basis and make a contract with you for life. Well, assuming that it's marriage for life, which is yes, what I believe. Right. It. All right. The whole idea that government should have anything to do with this is bullshit. The only time the government should have anything to do with this is if there is a breach of contract. Okay, if you have a spoken or a written contract that you have published to people, you said we are mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z together. 
then you are, especially right. if it's in writing. Like a if there's a breach kind of contract, you have the right, if there's any damage there, in other uh-huh. words, if it's not just, well, they hurt my feelings, okay? Right. But if it's like, hey, I own half this house, or, hey, there are kids involved, who should have mm-hmm. custody? The government should step in to make mm-hmm. sure that that contract is legal and that it is enforced if one yes. side breaches the contract. What's more, Definitely. if there is no contract and there is a, another party involved, like a child, right. All right, then that party has to be protected. I have no problem with that either. And that I goes in government's roles if the family and the community can't do it on their own. Okay? I agree. I agree. Otherwise, why are we arguing about this? Who cares? No, no. I'm, 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 I mean, you know, I'm at not the saying end of the day, you. I agree with you, Dan. You I'm hit, you hit the, right on point. The, the entire argument is yeah. bogus. It, it doesn't mean anything. I Look, just uh, disagree with the way it was done. I, I, I just believe it should oh, have been completely. a state's right issue, but, but you know, it's said and right, it's done. Right, exactly. And, and I'm, you know, I, I just look, think, uh, yeah. I don't think the okay. state should have any rules uh, about marriage either, except here's here's the rules I would have in any state. Uh-huh. There okay. is an informed age of consent. You can't enter into a contract if you're under age 18. Therefore, you can't get married if you're under age 18. Because okay. it is assumed that whatever you think you're consenting to, it's not informed consent because you're not thinking clearly yet. You don't know enough stuff. Okay? I have no problem with that. So that's an age limit on the lower end. And other than that, I really don't care as long as it's a willing joining a willing partnership. I said this before. Look, Robert, uh, Joseph, if, if I want to uh, enter into any sort of contract with you, uh-huh. we make up terms, sign them. As long as they're legal and there's no right. coercion involved and both parties give up something, that's the key to a contract. It's tort law, right. which means both parties have to give up something that they feel are, is of equal value. Mm-hmm. I get and you get. And, and I've got a, if, and, and I've got a question why? I want to ask you, uh, the folks later. Uh, you, you know about the, even just the terminology. But first, let's go ahead and bring someone else in. Uh, we've got Q on the line. Thank you very much, Q, for calling to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, how you doing? I want to offer a solution. Uh, short on time, so I'm gonna try to speed through this. Hopefully, I don't lose anyone. Um, first, the reference about the state. Uh, state has to be included because that's what the country founded on. So, unfortunately, that's just what it is. So. If this if if this was a state issue, then then you know it would just have to be. Uh, all this really was decided back in 1986 before Prop 8 came around. All these rights were basically given, minus the word marriage. The leaders of that particular group did not want those rights, even though the term uh, civil union was created for the whole uh, fiasco. But they decided to go mm-hmm. this way, which is why I agree with the host. I don't like the way it was done. You go to the California Supreme Court. Oh, well, I'm sorry. You go to Prop 8, you lose that. You try to circumvent that. Government Schwarzenegger kills that, puts another prop up for you. You lose that. You try to circumvent and go to Supreme. You know, I mean, hey, you should have just took the 1986 thing at first and built upon that. So as a black guy, I have to respect that maybe there's a Irish, white, Italian, or some guy somewhere that doesn't want me to marry uh, his white daughter or just a white woman, period. I therefore don't go flaunting things in his face. And also, as a regular human being, I understand he might have some issues with me 
being with that particular woman, Asian Asian man too, so on and so forth. My point in saying all these things is I agree with the last person that spoke that no matter what the group, let me know what the parameters are. We write up the contract. It is what it is. Some people are going to respect it. Some people are not. But here's the solution. What we should have done in all matters as Americans, we need to start strengthening the things that we have before they become a problem. I think we rely too much on we don't want the government involved. Hey, well, we had to went and strengthened marriage and made it harder to get divorced and rewarded people for going into their golden and platinum anniversary tax-wise, then a lot of this stuff would not come to pass because a lot of people who, even with same sex being passed, would not necessarily want to get married if they know that, hey, if I get caught cheating with another same-sex person, this person can financially ruin me because the laws are strengthened now. We suffer, I'm about to wrap up, we suffer from this thing where we will vote for something like mandate auto insurance, where I want to penalize you guys on the phone right now, even though I don't know you, for driving around in a car with no insurance, even though that has nothing to do with the insurance that I have or the car that I have. Oh, yeah, we'll fight for that, to hurt each other, but we won't fight legislatively to make something stronger for your son, your daughter, who I've never even met. And so that's why I think the solution is. I think people need to start getting off of these things of, well, I I, I don't want to see this group do well. I I feel like sometimes we're in a uh, Teamsters union. Well, those guys over there aren't working. So I don't like unions. But you do realize you make a lot of money and your boss and middle management can't fire you for no stupid reason. Yeah, but I just don't like the fact that, okay, well, we're going to let you opt out and we're going to continue to make this money. Well, that's not fair. I want to be involved too. It's the lunacy. So that's my solution. We we have to start taking the things that we have now, whether it's guns or whatever, and strengthen them to make them better now before it becomes a problem and it gets stripped from us and then we start complaining. Well, you kind of an, you, you kind of answered uh, the question before I <laughs> asked the Q, uh, and I was going to mention that is why you know why marriage? Why was it so important uh, for you know you know for the community uh, for it to be marriage and not uh, civil unions? Through, but through my understanding, uh, pretty much the same rights from civil unions are conveyed uh, that there is marriage. It's yeah, just, it's, it's just it's the, the same rights. It's, right. it's, it's all about the marriage. terms. They just wanted mm-hmm. the word marriage. See, see, here's the thing with all folks, and, and you know, I, I like to use self as opposed to that other group. With with black folks, black folks, when they married interracially or what have you, they just want to be able to say, hey, look, we're, 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 we're like you guys. Leave us alone, what, what have you. The difference is, if you're a black guy or a black woman married to a white guy, are you smudging it in the white people's face? That's the difference. The difference isn't whether you're civil union or whether you're married. Are you turning to straight people and doing the nan 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 nonsense? Are you are you constantly putting or or are you just going to go do your family chill out and you know be be part of the community? 
those people I don't have a problem with. I have a problem with the people who, uh, I, I guess the, the way I can describe is Liberace, my, my favorite pianist. He was molesting a 17-year-old kid. Whole gay community thought, it's an act of love. They're, they're in love. No, he needs to be in jail. He's molesting a 17-year-old kid. That's the problem I have with the gay community. It, it comes sometimes where they don't understand what please don't infringe on other people. That's a good point. Yeah, and that's why I was kind of, you know, and I was kind of wondering if, you know, not, and I'm not talking about individuals, but I mean, you know, but the leadership and then those who are angry because of what, you know, the religious folks feel and think about them is that it was just to put a thumb in their eye. I mean, you get the same, I always wanted, you get the same rights, and, and I think they should. I think they should have, for the most part, you know, the same rights that, that the kids thing. I'm kind of, I don't, I, I, I mix thoughts about that um, just for kind right. of psychological studies. But anyway, is that, you know, do I, do I think there's, you know, with it comes to medical decisions or insurance or, you know, things of that nature? Sure, they should have, I think they should have All the right. same rights. So why not Listen. civil union? I think that the whole mayor thing was just a, you know, and Gentlemen. folks here know I'm not a religious guy. They just want to rub um, you know, in the eyes of those folks and say, ha, see, Gentlemen, all you, these millennia, you've been saying that, and now we're coming back. Gentlemen, when Robert, you research, when, when Robert, you research I, this point, you'll find, out, you'll find out the children of gay marriages yep. are more against it than everybody else. Go ahead, ma'am. No, I'm sorry. Thank you, Kelly. I, I've been kind of quiet, but I, I would like to just say a, a, one thing about it. Sure. I, I, this is my personal belief. I, I don't think that any government agency, whether it's state or local or federal, has the right to define marriage. I believe it's a it's a God ordained uh, definition, and um, there's no there's no reason for the government to get involved except for one thing, and that would be taxes. Um, so if it was not a tax issue, there should not be even a um, a question of, of whether you're married or not on your tax form. Um, that's just one of the many things that, uh, I mean, government took, took it upon itself to give out marriage license, licenses basically, basically so they could tell you what you owe in taxes. And I, and I think that that should be a non-issue with the government. Um, and and whatever you do with your uh household uh you just put down how many people are on your tax reform i mean on your tax form and and that's all that matters you don't you shouldn't have to say whether you're married or not and if if uh, a civil uh if a non-believer or any believer who any person who does not have a a religion wants to have some kind of a legal um you know a legal document that says they're married, fine. They can they can go to a justice of the peace and write up their own vows and do their own thing no. and blah, blah, you're, blah. You're all missing something. But you're all missing something. But if, may, I, if, I'm, a Christian, if I'm a Christian, well, why may I go do something legal when it's between me and God and the person that I am covenanting with? Man, I'm going to hang just, up real quick. Let me just agree on, on, on this point with her. I work in medical. So to her point on taxes, if me and another guy are together, 
one of us can file head of household for the uh, a child, adopted child or whatever, and the other person can file how they file. It's the same, all, almost the same identical thing as if you did it marriage. doesn't really make a difference. One of you guys is going to get head of household. As far as the medical benefits and things of that nature, you can do what's called a living will. I can make Al the beneficiary of my living will, and he's going to do everything on my uh, matters as far as medical is concerned, benefits, or what have you. Get the same same ramification. So to her point, you didn't need marriage to get that stuff. You can go to the court and make that happen. But I'm going to hang up. Mm-hmm. I thank you guys for allowing me to speak. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Q. Yeah, pleasure having you on, Q. You're always welcome, and, uh, you know, always welcome to uh, – Stay and join the roundtable discussion. And definitely the same uh, link that you used to uh, listen to the show or call in. Uh, you can listen to the remainder of the show uh, and the archive. You can also uh, download it as well. It's uh, I know there's numerous ways I've seen folks who are, you know, downloaded uh, the show on their uh, iPhones or smartphones. I've also seen uh, podcasts uh, where they've done it through iTunes. Um, so currently you can, you know, get the show free on iTunes. But, uh, Dan, I know you want to chime in on that. So go ahead. Let's bring it over to you, Dan. And then Joe will uh, get you back in, and then uh, I'll probably have some uh, comments myself, but let's go ahead, uh, Dan. Well, I think everybody is still missing a very important point when you're discussing an argument. Um, You could talk about, uh, I could ask you, okay, what kind of ice cream are we going to have? And we're going to all start talking about chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, whatever flavor you like. The (laughs) main question is, do we want to have dessert? The main question is, are you hungry? Not... What kind do you want to have? That limits the choices, and it sets the tone for the argument. Here in Pennsylvania, there's a long-standing, and I mean long-standing. It goes back before William Penn, uh, well, not before William Penn, but before Benjamin Franklin, uh, recognition of what's called common law marriage. Just like common law, you know, that Kelly's always talking about. What it means is this. You can get married religiously in any sort of uh, church or synagogue or mosque or temple that wants to marry you. And uh, as part of their community, you have to abide by certain rules. That's fine. You can get married uh, since the government stepped in and started giving out licenses uh, through the government. But in Pennsylvania, if you live as if you're married, if you do those things that are recognized as marriage actions, you set up a house together, you um, get things in common, you buy property, you... um, you share expenses. You uh, you know get insurance. You get leases. You know you you live as a married couple. Then in Pennsylvania, that's enforceable. It's an implied contract. So in some cases, if you have a problem, it might have been better if you had written something down. But it's an implied contract. And what mm-hmm. it means is this: that you have the rights, if the other side breaches the contract, to sue them and say, "I want the court to enforce the rules," which says. I I lived in this house. This other person supported me so I could stay home and take care of the house. That was our deal. Now they want to kick me out. Where's my part of the deal? I, I you know They can't just kick me out for a newer model. It's like a standard type of reason that some people get divorced, I suppose, um, but or whatever the reason is. So common law marriages are recognized. And what's more, um, the governor, uh, this is several governors back, recognized, and the legislature had no problem with it, that people who declare themselves to be married, whether they're not they're legally married or not, have the same rights as married people if they're government employees. 
Now, they're not mandating it for individual private businesses, which can offer any sort of benefits that they want to or not, if they can afford it or not, to whoever they want to or not. And they can charge whatever they want to or not. You can either take it or go to a different job. They're saying that if you're a government employee, and there's a lot of them, too many of them, I'm one of them, but uh, that if you are two guys and you say we are a couple and you live as a couple and you you know this is not just some convenience thing to save money but you're actually together that you can get that person on your your insurance and they can be your beneficiary without any problem uh for whatever thing that you've got your pension or you know your life insurance or whatever it also works for uh two girls and it also works for a guy and a girl and there are quite a few people in this state who don't really see the need to get a government sanctioned license and who really don't have a particular religion or any uh, reason to want to go to a religion for sanction, Um, and that's their business, and they say, we're married. This is heterosexual couples, okay? So they're married in in the eyes of who? In the eyes of themselves and the way that they treat, they act in the community. So the the whole idea that, that the Supreme Court can suddenly declare a right when they're not declaring a right, what they're declaring is an obligation. They're saying that, just like with Obamacare, they're, they're saying, well, uh, of course you have the right to participate freely and in whatever business you want to. That's part of your rights of association. But, but this isn't a right. It's a tax. They're lying. They are framing the argument. You have to take a step back, folks. Whenever you hear all these arguments and people are, are lining up on one side and the other and they're arguing vehemently, ask is actually honest is it something and I don't mean are the people being honest is the argument itself honest boil it down to what it basically comes down to and what it comes down to in this case is they're saying that you have to have a government sanction and that you must only have a government sanction and that even if you do it religiously or without a religion or government you still have to get that government sanction And that government sanction, like Cindy said, means you've got to pay taxes in a certain amount in a certain way. By the way, there is a marriage penalty, so they're going to raise some more money, I guess, off of gay couples because they didn't previously have to pay it. They were two individuals. And it's all BS. And it is a way of dividing us, getting us to fight with each other, getting us to to take the basic tenets of what our lives are about and call them into question needlessly because this isn't changing my marriage one bit. It isn't changing any of your marriages. Whoever you are, this ruling did not change you. I have a friend who is a good friend of mine, and he is gay, and he's been with the same fellow for uh, close to 15 years, and they really love each other, and they have a house together, and they do everything like married couples do, and that's their business. Um, This doesn't change anything for them. Even if they go get a license, it doesn't change who they are or what they're about. This whole argument is specious. We need to get the government out of almost everything that it's into right now. There's nothing in the Constitution Mm -hmm. that says that they need to be involved in this. We don't even need the states to be involved in this. People can marry who they want to marry, and by marrying, that simply means a declaration. And if they want to do it in a church, fine. And if they feel like getting government sanction, that's their business. But I don't think the government should even be offering licenses. That's like a license to carry. Why do I need a license to carry a weapon? When the Constitution says, and natural law says, that I have the right to protect myself. 
Why do I need – what's next? Am I going to need a license for, for, for my free speech? Am I going to need the government to sanction when I can say what I can say? Because that's coming. How about freedom of religion? If, are they going to force – and they're trying to in some places in this country already. Out in Seattle they're trying this. Are they going to force people of religious conviction to marry people who aren't in their religion, who, who don't adhere to the tenets of their faith? I don't think so. I mean, they're going to try it, but it's not going to work. I'm glad they're doing these things, folks, because they're pushing us beyond the, the levels that we can accept. They're getting in our business. And when you get into someone's bedroom, that's, you can't get more intimate than that. Well, let's go ahead and uh, bring in our friend Kelly. It's good to hear from you, Kelly. Thank you for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, that's an assumption. That, Speaking uh, of California. Yeah, California. That's an assumption that I'm your friend. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. License. Yeah, license, Dan. Well, one of these days, you and I are going to need license from the government to violate the eighth deadly sin. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, the hogging the Good to hear from you, Kelly. Hey, hello, hello. So, I got a question for everybody. And I just want to go around the room, if you will. One, one, one. Answer of the multiple answers, okay? Which is the most important issue of the last couple of weeks? Of course, we have SCOTUS Care, where the Supreme Court of the United States decided to allow Obama to write the rules as he's deemed fit, even though the Constitution says only Congress can make the laws. All right, so we got SCOTUS Care. We have the Pope coming out adamantly about, oh, we got to take care of global warming. That's another issue. We have. Um, of course, the um, gay marriage endorsed by the Supreme Court. And in California, we have SB 277, which requires all school-attending kids to get vaccinated. Mandatory. There's no parental choice. It passed this week. So we've had a whole bunch of issues come at us that are really high-profile, very controversial. So what what do you guys think is the most important item that I've that in the last couple I- weeks? I I honestly have to say all of them are I know this is going to sound strange but all of them are equally important and I'll tell you why the vaccination issue is actually well, I, I'm, I'm something quickly, that this, this is an exercise if you will in something all right okay, this is an exercise right. so one, 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 one quick okay. answer Go ahead. all of them okay I'll just go to mm-hmm. uh, Dan which one is the most important Go well Given that they're all the same exact issue, um, they would have equal importance. Um, but I think the most I important issue the is the fact thing. that, well, the most important issue, folks, since we're after dark here, is the fact that NASA cut the feed from the International Space Station when there were actual UFOs coming up from the U.S. From there, I'm not kidding you. I would have expected now, maybe that. Maybe I'm kidding you. I saw this story and I checked I would it out. Expect it that looks from Kelly. really amazing. Are you, are you serious? Are you you know, I, would, I, I think it's possible, but uh, I don't know. Is that the joke, yeah, Dan? All right, Cindy. What, what do you Joe, think is the most important in the last couple of weeks? I'm with Joe on this one. I think they're they're equally important because they are the same issue. Who gets to tell you what to do? You know, can we decide things for ourselves within each state or within each family, or do we have to have the federal government? Um, uh, watching over the kindergarten to make sure all the kids are behaving properly. Well, Kelly, you left one out, too. Wait, wait, hold on to that one. 
right. How about Robert? What do you what do you what do you think? If you if you got something else, let it let it fly. So what what do you think, Robert? Well, of course, it's got to be the global warming one. <laughs> Come on, I'm the resident environmentalist. I had to say that, even Robert, though I don't really believe there is global warming. But <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't leave global one. warming up. Another classic. Yeah, we're at like 100, over 100 a day in California. And that's the northern, the more cooler area. All right. Well, I, had to, I hate to say this. Um, I have to, I'm sorry. I have to say this. I have to say this. Um, regarding all of your answers, eh, wrong answer. Um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We are losing some sovereignty and heading, hurtling into uh, one world government. In other words, yeah, all these issues, so it's just, yeah, well, I, ahead, hope, I hope they don't. Hold on, it, but what, what I'm saying here is all these other things, it's just such an amazing coincidence that all these controversial things came out all at once. And over here on the sideshow and behind the scenes was the TPP that they're working on. So we don't have time mm-hmm. to think about the TPP and what, how that's going to hurt jobs and but that's not fair. That's not. That wasn't one of your. That wasn't one of your choices. I would have said but that's that. That's exactly. That's exactly what the media has done to us. That's his point. Oh. But I yeah. agree that's with Cindy. Point. I think Kelly. I, Kelly. I think that's subject to interpretation. There's no right or wrong answer on that. Even with the trade agreement, that's subject to interpretation. I'm with Cindy that everything equally is is. Everything is equally fair game. Everything is of significance well, important. So I right, think but nobody nobody mentioned TPP. Nobody Kelly, mentioned you've TPP. got a point. That's my point. Well, no, no. The, the most I think we mentioned it on the show got, last Kelly. week. We did mention well, it. Hold on. Hey. Robert, didn't we mention okay, that on the show Okay, let's talk over each week? other, guys. We're starting to do that. <laughs> all right. The most important point that Kelly is making is right, because all of those other issues that he brought up involve our own homegrown government getting too big for its bridges, just like the Supreme Court ruling that expanded uh, warrantless search. You know, that they can just basically, well, somebody said it was okay. So we went in. It's all right. Don't worry about it. We want to see, oh, what's that over there? Um, But that's our own homegrown government. We actually have a chance to influence our homegrown government by nullification, by saying, no, we won't do it. We have the way to do it by having states actually pass laws that say, if you do it here, then we won't help you, and we'll lock up anybody that does help you and find them and put them in jail. We have the ability to, and we have been doing it all not so well in Washington, but in our state capitals we're doing it. We have the ability to elect people who might be on the national stage any time now. Okay? Uh, our, our wonderful yeah, guest, Matt Bevan, is... Well, he might be, Matt Bevan might be our governor in uh, Kentucky coming up. Uh, that's great. I, right. I, I support him. But had he won last year, he'd be in uh, the Senate right now, and Mitch McConnell wouldn't be the Senate majority leader. And I'm not saying he's going to be the guy because we need a lot more guys than that and ladies. But, you Mm -hmm. know, it's coming. On the other hand, exactly how are we going to influence any kind of uh, policy when it's coming from um, some other country where they don't even elect people, where – they shoot people who disagree with them. How are we going to influence them? But then again, my well, point the, is, the how are they going to enforce it on us? One of the questions I have enforce is, I know, I, I, here's a stunning question. Congress is giving Obama, what, don't they like, aren't the Republicans in charge? 
They don't like Obama, but they're giving him power to negotiate more further edits and revisions for the trade agreement. What? That's a lot crazy. of Democrats were furious. They were very upset. Obama, what's no, the No, the Democrats CPP? were not upset. The Democrats Some of them were. were they upset. Definitely, definitely were. Some. The reason that they were upset is because they wanted to get an amendment passed, and they did. The Trade Readjustment Act, TAA, was passed, and it, instead of being further uh, funded for a year or two or three, which has been historical since NAFTA, because it was passed after NAFTA, you know, the great sucking sound of all those jobs. And what it is is a socialism program that takes displaced workers whose jobs have gone overseas, and it offers them additional benefits of unemployment and training. Most of them never get jobs in that field that they train for. It does enrich the halls of academia, though, because it pays for a lot of education. And they have just pushed this forward to the year 2021. That's what the Democrats wanted added. They got it added, and they all almost all voted for it. So I, I'm not giving uh, pluses for moral career. Okay, and since we brought up Matt Bevan, real, real, real quick, gentlemen, ladies, uh, since we brought up uh, Matt Bevan, and we are talking about the same-sex marriage ruling, uh, here's Matt Bevan's issues statement on SCOTUS same-sex marriage ruling as of June 26, 2015, Louisville, Kentucky. It says, today, GOP nominee for uh, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan issued a statement in response to the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. I strongly disagree with today's ruling by the Supreme Court. When the definition of marriage was put on the ballot 10 years ago, 74% of Kentuckians made it clear they supported traditional marriage. Since that time, however, activist judges have chosen to ignore the will of the people and to ignore the constitutional principle of states' rights, said Matt Bevan. I agree with Justice Scalia when, in his dissent, he stated, Today's decree says that my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans coast to coast is a majority of the nine lawyers on the Supreme Court. Constitutional revision by an unelected committee of nine, always accompanied as it is today by extravagant praise of liberty, robs the people of the most important liberty they asserted in the Declaration of Independence and won in the Revolution of 1776 the freedom to govern themselves. And then uh, back with a quote from Bevan. Today's regrettable ruling is also the result of elected officials failing to defend the law. When Kentucky's marriage law was under attack by the courts, our own Attorney General, Jack Conway, abandoned his oath of office and chose not to defend it. Jack Conway's failure to do his job and defend our laws in Kentucky disqualifies him from being elected to the office of governor. How can voters trust him not to break his oath again? So I just want to bring that uh, to our attention here. And of course, for those folks who are uh, there in Kentucky who are listeners, uh, check out his website at www.mattbevin.com. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back, uh, gentlemen, ladies, or lady. Uh, We do have about 30 minutes left before I have to uh, close things out for tonight. So let's uh, go ahead and bring it back. And, Joe, before I rudely interrupt it, but I want to make sure I get the back. I uh, heard your voice in the forefront, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, and then uh, we'll move from there. Yeah, no, I, I was kind of – I'm sorry. I can kind of lost some translation there. I couldn't catch the last part of what you were saying. Oh, no, I just uh, – 
was saying we're going to go ahead and uh, you were the last person I thought I heard uh, before I rudely interrupted you. And so I was going to say, go oh, ahead. No, you didn't really I just wanted to bring in that no. quote from Matt Evans since we were bringing him up. Not at all. You didn't, you didn't really interrupt me. Never. You never ever. Don't say that. Not at all. Um, uh, of course not. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think um, everyone to a certain degree has made a, a valid point. Um, you know, Dan has hit home on a lot of valid points that do resonate with me. Cindy hit on a lot of valid points that does resonate with me. Kelly, a constitutional scholar, has hit on a lot of valid points that resonates with me. And so what I see here is is this big pot stirring with all kinds of different um, flavors and and recipes here. But it's kind of hard to decipher um, everything to come to one final definitive conclusion. Um, You know, there's just so many ways of of interpreting it, and, and, and everyone just really hit home on a lot of valid points. Uh, and it's just so hard to connect all those points together. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I'm going to once again say that I think it should have been a state's right issue, but I say that this issue is done with, in my opinion. I think um, there's no point in, you know, um, lamenting on this because uh, with uh, Barack Obama uh, in, in, in the presidency and by us having... Uh, the Republicans who have the majority, which in essence, they're really Democrats, kind of like that Twix commercial. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the Twix commercial where they have the left and the right and they say one is cloaked in in chocolate and whatever. I I say the Republicans are just like the Democrats. I mean, I I agree with Dan. I agree with Kelly. Um, You know, they are giving, they're handing every single uh, demand Mm -hmm. to President Obama and I'm just wondering, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, we fought so many conservatives a whole entire year last year just to get the majority um, in, in the Senate. And then I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, it's kind of like they made a pact with the devil and, you know, they just don't care. Um you know, Cindy uh, made a valid point. You know, she's worried. Um, is it too late? You know, um, are we going downhill? You know, Cindy, I, I agree with you. No, we are going downhill. Um, you know, Greece just went bankrupt today, and we're heading down that path. People could could not even stick their bank cards in the ATMs and get anything. Uh, Puerto Rico is on the verge of declaring a bankruptcy and is asking for a bailout. Uh, at the United States government, we're we're ten years on that track if we continue at this pace. The fundamental and question Puerto Rico is, recently turned down uh, becoming a state. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, actually, what a lot of people don't realize because the mainstream media doesn't report this is actually in 2012 in the plebiscite that they had, 60 percent for the first time, the majority since it became a common. 1954, actually did vote for it to become a state. Conveniently, it has not been mentioned in the media because the conservative movement in Puerto Rico represents the political party that was in favor for statehood. So basically what the Obama administration said was they did not have the the billions of dollars that they would have to allocate to Puerto Rico and, and, you know, and and, and converting it into a state. 
uh, you know, as they did July 1959. Uh, of course, the media kept really quiet on this, and there's one reason why. M- most people don't realize that um, the average middle-class salary in Puerto Rico is $20,000 compared to Puerto Ricans who migrate to the States and make 60000 of the equivalent. There's a max ex- exodus of 3,500 Puerto Ricans per month leaving the island heading to the States. Uh, and basically the big conservative movement, yes, there are actually conservatives in Puerto Rico, are behind the political party that won the majority in 2012. That said, for the first time since it became a commonwealth in 1954, we want Puerto Rico to become a state. The Obama administration said there's no way Congress and Senate could ratify it because the funds were not there and the mainstream media killed it. Therefore, many people don't even know this even occurred. Wow. And so, Thanks for that information. I'm going to have to look that up more. Definitely. It's called the PNP, the Party for New uh, Progress. They are the statehood party. They are the party that is in favor for Puerto Rico to become a state. They're the ones who pushed that agenda in 2012. Well, I knew this. In 12, they actually be voted, and they became, they had a constitution. There it is, statehood. Well, I yeah, know. basically in 1954, Puerto Rico was giving a decision. They they were given two decisions. A, you can become a state, or B, you can become a commonwealth, and Puerto Rico kind of wanted to get the world, which is not benefiting mm-hmm. them now at this point. They wanted to keep their mm-hmm. heritage and they wanted to keep their way of life, but they also wanted to have the American benefits attached to it, such as the citizenship, Medicare, the entitlements. So they decided, well, we're not going to become a state, but we're not good enough to become a state, but we'd like to stay a commonwealth. And the United States ratified that without any objection. So since 1960, the P- the, the PNP formed a political party uh, for statehood, and they've been fighting this battle for the plebiscite that occurs every four years since 1960. They've been fighting for Puerto Rico to become a state. And finally, what a lot of people are saying is, well, it's a little bit kind of too late that in 2012 you decided to vote for statehood with this horrible economy in the Obama administration. A little bit too late. They had a lot of years to decide this. Uh, nonetheless, if Puerto Rico hypothetically were ratified as a state, it's estimated that uh, two senators would go to the right, because since the conservatives are the majority that are voting for statehood, uh, many people feared in 2012 that they also ratified them, that they, the Democrats would actually lose two senators, because two senators would be appointed to the new state if Puerto Rico became a state, and those two senators would most likely be in the Republican column. Uh, and so that's a lot of news that most people don't even know about. So when they hear about Puerto Rico, yeah, I didn't know that either. election. Yeah, I knew they had election, but to my understanding, yeah, to my understanding, they voted it down. You know, I guess I've been corrected in that. And perhaps uh, we got it wrong, though, uh, Joe. Perhaps the reason why uh, Obama was against uh, Puerto Rico becoming a state is perhaps he thought it already was one of the 57 states that uh, the United States currently has, according to Obama. Oh, yeah, right. What he's saying is he said in the 2008 speech. Yeah, and this is the guy who went to Columbia and Harvard. Yes, he's, he's really, 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 uh, he's a prodigy. I'm telling you. Huh? Hey, guys. I, 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 
<laughs> Guys, I'm about my my battery's about to die, so if I hang up on you accidentally, I'm sorry and have a good night, everybody. Uh, I'll stay here as oh, long. Oh, well, thank as you very much. It's good to hear from you. And, and yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll miss you guys next week. Uh, but we'll be thinking about you Wednesday night. It's it's a very rare occasion uh, where I do not have uh, have a show, but uh, I, get, I just not be in a position to do uh, any rebroadcasts or a live show or anything of that nature. Uh, so, you know, I will bless everybody. Um, I'm going to try to get some much needed, uh, R and R so I can be back and fully energetic. Uh, I know I was at work today thinking, oh my gosh, I've never felt the need for a vacation as much as I do right now. Uh, today Robert, when, I, when I got Robert, off work, seriously. uh, so. whatever you do next Wednesday, you'll be with your family. Don't think of us. Don't think of the show. You'll be back. It's only a week. Just enjoy yourself. You, you, it's good for you. It's good for the show. You need a, you need to uh, recharge the batteries. And we'll be there with you in spirit. That's that's all we can say. We'll be with you in spirit as much as we would like to be on a vacation as well. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a vacation myself. But. Yeah, really. Yeah, appreciate it. We're visiting my brother uh, in Florida. <laughs> can I plan on doing just a lot of uh, shell hunting on the beach, huh? I said, I might even be bodily with you. We might have a visit again. <laughs> yeah, yeah we definitely. We, uh, we'll <laughs> we're very good. Well, you know what I tell what I, you know, with with us being scattered throughout the, uh, literally, I mean, think about it, folks, uh, literally, you know, the panel here, uh, we are literally scattered throughout the United States. I mean, literally from coast to coast, we've got, uh, you know, Kelly there on the left, I mean, the, the West Coast. And then we've got, you know, <laughs> Joe here uh, in New York uh, on the East Coast. So, you know, I mean, then, of course, we got us in between where we got the South covered by uh, you, Cindy. And then, of course, we got us Midwesterners and, our, you know, myself and, and you, Dan. And when we had uh, James on, I, I think it was from Iowa or Oklahoma. Or, uh, so he's kind James of pretty much in, in, the, in the middle there. Yep. So oh, well, You know yeah. what? Without the Keystone State. The rest would all fall apart. Pennsylvania <laughs> is the keystone. Well, somebody's <laughs> got to somebody's got to hold it down. Well, you know what? We're we're, uh, ahead, we're very boring here in Pennsylvania. We're 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 really kind of down to earth. We're really not interested in anything is, except there uh, a living town our in lives. Pennsylvania called boring. Uh, <laughs> there might be. There's there's more more small towns in Pennsylvania any other state in the country. There's like 6,000 mm. small towns. And we my all have our own little there, local you know. governments. Where is she at? There by, she's near Germantown. She, she, she's working there. Oh, in Darn it, I guess I'm not going to the Poconos. Oh, well, you just blew that for me, Dan. Thanks a lot. And Hershey Park. Oh, the Poconos are really like New York. Because that's where everybody goes to work from the Poconos. I'm about... Um, 60, 80 miles from the Poconos, but we have the same weather. We're just poor, so they don't call us the Poconos. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, if, if they're talking about uh, gay marriage and they're talking about uh-huh. forcing religious institutions to perform gay marriages, when do you think they're going to try that with a mosque? I don't think they will. They don't have the guts. I, well, I mean, they wouldn't have the that would to really do. be something. That would. Because then, then the, the um, people of Islam that come up. Would, no, listen, come up. They would righteously say, and, and I would have to agree with them, that 
Their religion does not, although I don't agree with their religion, burning, beheading, hanging, throwing gay guys yeah. off of buildings, forcing them, as in some countries now, to actually have sex, gender reassignment surgeries just because they're gay. No, I don't like any of that, but, but they, they're not for gay marriage, okay? That's their religion, and they're not about to just go, oh, okay, I guess who you in court. No, no. And then what, what does the status do? Are they going to actually finally criticize Islam? I mean, they don't do it when it comes to Ooh, good uh, point. they don't come, good point. do it when it comes to women's rights. No. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we were look. The one thing I'm absolutely certain of is that the people on the liberty in the liberty movement, the left, right, or center of the liberty movement, have as much respect for people as is possible. That means individuals, which means when we have women who stand up and do their part and and do it well, they become our leaders, and we don't have a single problem with it. We're fine with that. It's a good thing. And if they're a supporter, whether they're a male or a female, if they can cook, if they can, you know, clean, if they can show up and and just get things moving, uh, that's fine, too. We don't really have this gender issue that much. I mean, we just don't. Um, So I'm wondering that they don't have any problem uh, with uh, Muslims in the Middle East and elsewhere uh, forcing women into slavery, basically. Forcing them not sad. to get an education, not to be able to drive, not to be able to work, forcing them to be beaten, uh, to be married when they're, they're not even in puberty. They don't have a problem with that. Um, what are they going to do when it happens here and when it happens outside the, their own community? Good I think point. there's some issues there. I think yeah, there's I think some, it's some a real attraction. I well, think it's a liberal double standard because liberals I think we claim force that the issue. They, they're for women Joseph, rights. <laughs> Joseph, listen, yeah. um, I, I don't know if we should do this, but uh, I, I, I don't know if I can convince my wife uh, I want to okay. stay married to her. But what do you say okay. you and I pick a mosque and go tell them we want to get married? We've got to make sure we have two things, though, really good video coverage and some armed guys. Okay. Do you want to do that? We'll go Bodyguard. tell them. We'll go tell them. Look, if Supreme Court says, and you got to marry us, let's see what they do. Oh, and body. Uh, I don't think they would welcome that too well. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm game. You know, I'll wear some Kevlar. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. I don't think hey, they would Dan? welcome that. Too well. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Uh, when when is your wife going to come on the show? I think we. As much as you speak well of her, I think I'd love to hear her view on some things. You never will. Tell them I some of the cookies I hear about. No, I'll tell you why. And and this is actually, this is serious. Um, and I'm actually, I, I don't talk about someone who's private and she's a private citizen. Um, except in the way it relates to me, because I'm not a private citizen anymore. Um my wife is a smart woman, and she has her own views about all kinds of things. And some things she agrees with me, some things she disagrees with me. Uh, some ways she's smarter than me. Um, but I worry. And I know that one of the ways that the, the people in power who are thugs can get to you is by uh, buying you out. And if they can't buy you out, they threaten you. I think that's what happened to a lot of the people who uh, we elected into uh, Congress this last time. I think maybe a lot of them got mm-hmm. threats and uh, decided that their family was important. And that, that's the way it usually works. 
Um, I've only got one saving grace, which is that my wife has not been involved in any political activity of any kind besides voting her entire life. She doesn't speak on these things. She doesn't go to these things. She doesn't involve herself in these things. And thankfully, she does provide like a normal life for me because I get so obsessed with it. And so I'm not really, I'm given like a couple minutes a week, you know, where I can kind of vent and we talk about it and then that's it because we have a roof that came, you know, ceiling that came down with the heavy rains and we've got a garden and we've got a kid and we've got a cat who was sick and we got all kinds of things going on that, that are just real life things, you know, cars that need fixing and jobs that, that are just ugh, jobs. And so questioners, she really can't tell them anything about my, my uh, doings and there's more doings than I'm ever going to admit to in public. Um, and really, they can threaten her. If they do, I've got a response. And I'll tell this publicly, even though we're on Bard's Logic After Dark. This is my response, which is if you threaten my wife or anybody else's wife, you threaten anyone's child, then you better be serious about it and carry it through because there won't be any coming back from that. And whatever you do to any one of us, 20 of yours will die. Hundred, and I'm very serious about this. I am scared. All right, people make out that that uh, it's it's uh, going to come, and they're not scared. Yeah, I'm scared because every government that's ever gone the route our government is going has ended in a really bad place, millions dying, and that's that's governments that are supposedly religious, that are supposedly communist, that are supposedly right wing, that are supposedly are aristocratic. It always happens, and. I'm willing to put myself on the line because I've got no choice in the matter. If I don't put myself on the line, they're going to come for me anyway, sooner or later, because I'm a big mouth, because I've already opened my mouth. And it's too late. You can't call back the words. Hey, uh, so, again, I, I hear some things about Pennsylvania. I didn't find a boring Pennsylvania uh, internet search. A friend said that there was one, but I couldn't confirm that. But I did confirm that there is an intercourse Pennsylvania. Sure, it's, oh. it's near Burdenhand. These are actual towns. Uh, Intercourse, Pennsylvania is near Burdenhand, uh, Blue Ball, and uh, Virginia. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no, no, no. These, these are all, cities. <laughs> these are all Amish Let's towns. These are Amish. Amish towns. Yes, and it, it's not what you think. However, they have, a really, they have a really hard time keeping street signs in stock. Because people will go and steal the town signs, you know, for, for those well, places. I bet. Wow. Well, well I, live, I live not far. In my county, we have a place called Rough and Ready, and we have a town called Fear Not Wow. in Schuylkill County. Wow. So I well, we've out got why. a park that's called Big Bone Lake. <laughs> okay, so I, if, if, I'm not joking. Ohio has a, a yeah, it's a park. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. Okay, so Dan, I figured out why. I, I'm validating your statement earlier that Pennsylvania is very boring. So of course they would. No, you know, we're not boring. Have too much. Well, you said that we're earlier. Just... So, so I'm teasing I you did. here. Just let me finish. Okay, so. If Pennsylvania is boring, what do people have to do? Well, you know, name their town's uh, intercourse because, well, when you're really bored, that's what you do. And then you end up with blue ball. 
city. Um, <laughs> when you don't that's, when don't get, that's when you don't get intercourse. <laughs> right. Sorry, Cindy. <laughs> I think uh, Blue Ball doesn't uh, want to go to see him now. But it's, but it's uh, embarrassing. Which results in bird in hand. I'm serious. You you look these places up. It's uh you can look up. It's in Berks County, uh, where it meets uh, Lancaster County, and this is not far from where Dean lives. Uh, you know, was on our show earlier. This is not far from me. That Pennsylvania has a lot of really wonderful little places. Wow, and, and sounds like it. This is the, the reason that this is so great is because we're not remote from our, our county government. The big fight that, that Kelly is fighting in California for the state of Franklin, or Jefferson, mm-hmm. sorry, Jefferson. Of Jefferson, is the fact that um, his representation in the state house is minuscule. I mean, he, he, he's one uh, fifty thousandth of, of a, um, a representative. That's so. It's one per four hundred and sixty-five thousand in the state house, one per nine hundred and thirty thousand people in the state house, the Senate. Wow. So in other words, you have to compete with almost a million people for their a time to have any representation. Okay. And by the way, I that's going to change Listen, I, 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 I personally know, and this is not just because I'm in politics. I mean, this is this is not atypical at all. If you're interested at all, if you're social at all, I know. Um, very well, a dozen state senators. My state senator, I coached his kids, okay? This isn't because I'm in politics. It's just how Pennsylvania is. Um, candidates for various offices, they come and meet us at these little places where 10 people are because they meet us, this, these 10 people, and, and we know them. I mean, the, the, um, the state rep that I've got, Okay, a fellow named Jerry Knowles, a pretty decent guy. He was um, the sheriff of Tamaqua, which is a town not uh, six miles away, which is uh, where I think the town has 6,000 people. Okay, so he's representing maybe 10,000 people. Can they all meet him? You know what? They probably already have. And, you know, there's, there's a few hundred that are related to him. And... The rest of us have drank with him. Oh, I shouldn't say that. At least once or twice, you know. He's a nice guy. Um, that's 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 a good thing. It's good when they, they keep trying to consolidate school districts and consolidate police departments and consolidate all. We don't want consolidation. We got sixty-seven counties, and within those counties, we have all these different municipalities and boroughs and townships. And guess what? We like it that way. I like the fact that in my township. You know, I can go and actually, I live five doors down from one of the supervisors, and another one lives another ten doors down. And I can go talk to him anytime I want to. I see him on the street. You know? Well, well, hey, uh, much better that way. Can I throw out some comments about SCOTUS care and then the uh, recent decision on gay marriage? Yeah, certainly. And then, unfortunately, I'll have to start taking some final comments and uh, closing up for uh, this evening. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay. SCOTUS care. Supreme Court said, well, you know, we're going to go ahead and affirm Obama's editing of the law, even though Congress is supposed to, according to the Constitution, because too many people are going to be hurt. Well, what did that do? Obama is issuing about 10 to 15 executive orders. Well, it's probably per month, but that's another story. 
But he did some recently empowered by the Supreme Court not shooting him down. And so some of these executive orders are basically nobody knows when the heck they are. Kind of frightening. When the Supreme Court did that, did they really think about how you're going to you, – you've just told the president, oh, we're not going to hold you to account. <laughs> Dumb. Stupid. And Scalia was the one who, who, who labeled it SCOTUS care. I so like Scalia. All right. Oh, oh by the way, <clears throat> this is a little political point. Suppose I was president. I don't think I'd want to be president. Too much responsibility. But suppose I would, and I got inaugurated. There's the nine justices right in front of me. And the chief justice holds out the Bible. And uh, I'm supposed to place my hand on it and swear, you know, uphold the Constitution. I had about put my hand out. Oh, hold on a second. Just hold on here. Um, I'd pull out three guns, one I'd place on the Bible. The other I'd say, oh, hey, Scalia, this is Scalia. Can you just hold You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I've always been a long time. Can you hold this other gun for me? And um, I'd go to Kagan. Oh, hey, could you hold my other gun? Oh, be careful. It's loaded. All right, now I'll take the oath. Can you imagine how uh, Scalia would chuckle? And uh, Kagan would be squealing and squeaming and just, ah. Just kind of a political <laughs> point. All right. <laughs> oh, just hold on. Just hold. Can somebody hold my guns here? You know. <laughs> anyway, that's like uh, when Sarah Palin uh, did the at the CPAC. She took a few seconds and sucked her big gulp, you know, a little physical prop there. All right. Anyway, now, mm-hmm. gay marriage, I like Joe's. Understanding, because he's got states' rights figured out. Alita, Justice Alita, is the only one who got it right. It's a states' rights issue. And we've been talking about this before. And um, with such a, you know, let's just call it what it is. It's called sex. Oh, so sex is such a sacred thing between two people. The federal government is reaching into the bedroom and saying it's okay. Now, the framers knew better to have such social issues in the hands of They could have. They were what? Oh, that's right, pastors. And they all believed in God, and then that culture was very, very deeply religious. Why didn't they deal with it then? Because it was a states' rights issue. How about abortion? They didn't deal with it in the Constitution. Why? Because it was a states' rights issue. Alito is the only one that got it right. Now, I was talking, I was having a Facebook chat. You know, I basically said, Alito's no, I posted on the California Libertarian Party. We're up to 165 comments now. Probably 170 where we're going. I just look, you know, it's a state rights issue because Scalia's the only one who got it right. You open the door for the federal government to reach in to your moral and social life. You have given the federal government a blank check to grow into infinity, to which, when this power is amassed, both Christians and homosexuals will be a hurting. And the threads are just just rolling out. Anyway, this one guy, he was so adamant about gay rights. I've come down to a simple conclusion. What is it they want? What is it the homosexuals, what do they really want? What drives them? I mean, they could have their civil unions by a a legal contract. You know, two men living together for ten years and they're buying a house. Okay, so they have a legal contract. Who who splits it when they split up? How do you split it? You know, they they, no, they're not satisfied with that. What is it they seek? Because this guy, his thinking was so delusional, it was frightening in his comments. And I'm like, don't you realize you've just turned over sovereignty to the feds? Don't you realize what you're doing here? 
Um, but he, what is it they want? Here's what they want. I could put it bluntly. They want social accepting for their fudge-packing activities. Okay? Whoa. And they're not going to get it. You know, I don't care what people do in the bedroom. That's fine. It's a state rights issue. They are not going to get social acceptance. They want it. They crave it. But you can't do that. You can't force social acceptance through a court. I'm sorry. You just can't. State's rights issue. Right. It's not an rights, issue for even, government at all. Right. But what's happening here is in the, this, the, the issue is not homosexuality or fudgebacking or gay marriage. The issue here is they want social acceptance so bad that they have subjugated the liberties of the country, they have subjugated the sovereignty of the state to the federal government. Let me tell you, hey, Kelly, let me just give you one other uh, example of the ramifications of this. I have a niece who is um, a lesbian. She... Um, and her girlfriend have been wanting to get married for a long time. And um, my my brother-in-law, her dad, is a pastor, Southern Baptist. He will not marry a, a single soul. Whatever they do to him, it, they'll just have to do, because he's not going to marry uh, a gay couple. I heard something she about a $200 fine, but go ahead. Well, she was on her Facebook page just all over the place how how uh, wonderful and how they worked so hard for this and she's just so glad about it. Well, there's going to there's going to probably come a time when her she's going to see her dad and what her dad has to suffer because of this. And and a lot of people are going to see people that they know and love are going to have to suffer from this. And um and then they're going to think twice about it. Um, or at least I hope they would. I hope that she Well, you hope they would, but see, they, yeah. where, where I'm going with this is their drive for social ex- acceptance, which is oh, naturally, yeah, naturally repugnant. Mm-hmm. Their drive for social acceptance has caused them to get to the government and somewhat force it when what they have done is they have eroded state sovereignty. They didn't think about this. I don't care what the issue is for doing this. It's very selfish. If I could be so more harsh, it's selfish. To subjugate the liberties of the free people, to subjugate the liberties of the free people for their social acceptance is just repugnant. Kelly, they got used. This is not anything new. You take somebody who has... Uh, something they want, something they really, really want bad that's being denied to them. And you offer them a chance to get that, but only if they're willing to support your aims. And you make sure that it's done in such a way that seems to give them what they want, but what it really does is something else. And that's classic. This is what this, the... the uh, yeah. um, it, it's like drug dealers do this. It's like uh, pimps do this. Okay, you want a, you're you're a kid on the street. You're you're a boy or a girl. You're a runaway. You're having problems at home. Maybe you've done some drugs, and you want family. You want acceptance. You want love, and you end up with somebody who promises you that, seems to give you some perverted version of that. But what they really want is to use you and turn you out and trick you on the street. 
that's no different from what's happening in in the houses in Washington. These people are they're thugs and pimps. And with that, I'm going to have to uh, close things out, uh, folks. I want to thank you for this uh, discussion this evening. Uh, definitely, we could probably uh, talk more on it, but unfortunately, we are out of time. And a few comments from me before I close things out is, yeah, I mean, frankly, you know, I, I believe that, you know, if a man and a man and a woman and a woman want to uh, have it where they have the same rights when it comes to, you know, as I said, insurances, contracts, things of that nature, medical decisions, uh, let's say if their, you know, partner, you know, has uh, something where they're about pulling a plug or anything of that nature, I think they should be able to make medical decisions, things like that. Uh, I think as our, one of our uh, gentlemen came in, I believe that was Q was saying, they could have taken a different route. Uh, I think as uh, civil unions, which gave them the same rights as marriage, uh, at least from my understanding, then they didn't have to do this route. And they certainly didn't have to do it uh, with what, how the Supreme Court did it, as you just pointed out. And I think that was very well said. And I think you have uh, points there definitely, uh, Dan, on that. But I wish I did have more time to make some more of my own uh, comments on it. But unfortunately, uh, I have to uh, close things down. So, again, everyone, uh, you'll be missed next week. Uh, and we will be looking forward to uh, coming back on the 15th. Uh, and I'm working on a couple folks on who will be the person to uh, take up that spot. So I will be probably working a little bit on uh, the show, at least with getting our uh, guests for the rest of July, or at least for our upcoming uh, 15th show. So thank everyone uh, for coming tonight. And, of course, I will uh, close tonight, as I do every night, and that is by the song by Aubrey Ashburn, where you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, hey, folks, way, and have a good next couple of weeks, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Have, have a good, good week. And good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night. Have a wonderful Appreciate week it. off. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.